This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Start things out here tonight with a story about... Marketplace innovation. Now and then we like we see interesting stories like this, and I uh, like to bring them to you just to let you know that there are some really cool, exciting things going on in the world. It's not all doom and gloom. So, Mark, why don't you start? I've got something too. I'll add to it later. Well, it's it's the libertarian dream. It's a flying car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a lot of people's dreams. I think that's a great idea. Business. Uh, Times Online. Co. Uk. Is it a car? Is it a plane? Well, actually, it's both. The first flying automobile, equally at home, in the sky or on the road, is scheduled to take to the air next month. Really? If it survives its first test flight, the uh, Terra Fugia Transition, that's what the car is called, a transition. Oh, don't tell me this is only going to be available in, like, Japan or something. Nope, nope, uh, you wouldn't believe where they're making it. All right. Yep. Uh, land of the socialist land of Massachusetts, huh. which can transform itself from a two-seater road car to a plane in, 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 in what's practical? Come on. 60 seconds. 15, baby. Wow. <laughs> it is, now, now, remember, what, at, the, at this point, what exists of this plane, from what I can tell, is a uh, computer, a CGI, uh, <laughs> a really spiffy two-minute CGI thing. Okay? okay. Now, seeing is believing when it comes to flying yeah. cars, folks. So there's, no, there's no pictures of this thing yet. Um, no. I mean, there's the, the CGI mock-up, and apparently they're claiming next month. So All right. That's, yeah, I mean, it's not like they're saying, give us a quarter million dollars and we'll have your plane to you in two years. Right. I mean, there's a good way to get separated from your money. But um, anyway, it's expected to land in showrooms in about 18 months' time. Its manufacturer says it's easy to keep and run since it uses normal unleaded fuel and hmm. will fit into a garage. And you could pull they, it into a gas station. They even have a CGI of it going into a garage. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, Must be real. Somebody drew it. Drew a picture of it going into a well, garage. What's the company's name again? It's uh, T- Terra Fugia. Okay. Okay. So Carl Dietrich, who runs the Massachusetts-based Terra Fugia, said that this is the first really integrated design where the wings fold up automatically and all the parts are in one vehicle. The transition developed by former NASA engineers. You had to have that, right? Um, let's see, uh, well, uh, is powered by the same uh, 100 BPH engine. What is BPH? I have oh, no idea. Um, something British horse, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> engine on the ground and in the air. Um, t- Terra Fugia. Something that's powerful enough to or make you fly. horsepower. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, Terra Fugia, uh, their claims... website's down, by the way, right now. Terra Fugia's site is down. <laughs> don't you want their? Don't you want the plane going down <laughs> while you're while you're flying it? I mean, was this on FARC or Drudge Report or something like that? Is yeah, that what it well, it's on business uh, business dot times online dot uk dot okay. uh, com. So I mean, it's they probably did get smashed. Gotcha. Okay, it'll fly up to 500 miles in a single tank of petrol. I don't know where you get that stuff, and its uh, cruising speed is 115 miles per hour. I assume that's in the air. Um, up to now, however, it has been tested only on roads up to uh, on roads at um, at up to 90 miles per hour. So what? Are they tell, saying it goes 115 on the ground? Dietrich said that he had already received 40 orders, despite an expected retail price of two hundred thousand dollars. Sounds like a deal to me. I, uh, I, I think two hundred grand for the first flying car. That seems 
that seems darn cheap. Yeah. You can get regular ground cars that cost more than that. You can. I mean, they're usually the very, very high end. There's, there's but they ten, don't fly. There's tens of thousands of private pilots out, out there, and this is what they pay for some of the smaller planes. So I think this is certainly an advancement that would let them drive and fly. I don't know one. what the uh, I don't know what the cheapest plane is out there on the market, but I bet it's a hundred thousand dollars and roughly yeah. doubling that and turning it into a car that you can drive on the ground seems very competitive to me. For an airplane, that's very reasonable, but for a car, it's very much at the high end. He conceded. There's still one or two drawbacks. Getting insurance may be a little tricky, and finding somewhere <laughs> to take off might not not be straightforward. Oh, so it's not vertical takeoff? Uh, no, okay. no, it's a, it's an airplane. Got it. Uh, the only place in the U.S. which Well, they is, have airplanes with vertical takeoff. What's that? They have airplanes with vertical takeoff. Well, the, the Mahler Skycar has vertical takeoff. This is, and the Mahler Skycar is kind of the predecessor to this, but well, it, I don't ever predecessor think Predecessor in the sense that it doesn't exist. I mean, I, I think No, it does exist. They've just never been able to sell it due to the FAA. Oh, okay. That's my understanding of the Mahler situation. I mean, it's certainly, I'm, I'm certainly no expert. Well, the only place that it's uh, legal to take off from the road is Alaska. Is that the car with the four jet turbine engines that yeah. sort of yeah. tilt? Yes. I don't think that they've ever done a test where they haven't been tethered to the ground. Really? That's okay. my understanding. I could be wrong. Dietrich is optimistic. He said, in the long term, we have the potential to make air travel uh, practical for individuals at a price that would meet or beat driving with a huge time savings. One thing that you have to take into consideration is it's a road. You know, like You would need a road to take off of, but... You know, how hard would it be to find uh, airports? You could, I mean, you could drive this into your, um, fly this thing into the, to an airport and then drive away. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, suppose I had to go to Defiance, Ohio for some reason. Or there another. are little airports. You just sure. fly into the little airport and then drive on into Keene, the Keene Airport and then drive on in and uh, it seems like it would work. Yeah, that'd be better. I mean, you certainly couldn't do it from the average road. There are power lines and things like that that are arching, arcing over the road. So it'd be difficult to pull that off. So that's why you need vertical flight for anything else. Or if you have a road uh, that perhaps uh, you live on some uh, near some road that's isolated that uh, no one's going to be near and the power lines are safe or yeah. whatever. You could try it there. And Out then, in the woods. Yep. Who's going to, you know, who's sure. gonna stop that? Cool. It's exciting. Yeah. Fl- flying cars. Uh, this Does it mention anything about the FAA getting in the way in there at all? Oh, no. They, they you know, these, uh, this is a mainstream uh, media. They're not going to mention Got anything it. about the FAA. But they do say that it's the only, you know, place that's legal to take off from roads is, is uh, in Alaska. Give them time. <laughs> do you think that they give them time that they'll make it legal to take off from roads or give it time? Give them time and they'll come up with all kinds of regulations and things that will probably prevent this from coming to market anytime soon, especially next month. Well, it's well, not coming to mu- market next month. It's uh, the, the, I guess the prototype for, okay. will uh, be ready. Is this, you know, be ready and, and its first test flight is next month and then 18 months, uh, supposedly, they're going to have it ready for you all to right. buy. We'll see what happens, right? Somebody's going to keep us in the loop on this, I hope. You should go see this little CGI. I uh, think it's it's lots of fun okay. to, to watch it uh, park in the driveway and fold up its wings. Toll free number here eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Andy in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andy. How's it going? You're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, to add real quick to what you were saying about BPH, that's probably actually BHP. Yeah, BHP, Did I which see? means uh, brake horsepower, which is the horsepower as measured at the rear wheels after. Uh, Running the engine through all the different, you know, driveline stuff, the transmission, the axles. So that's pretty good. A hundred uh, brake por- horsepower would be something like a, one of those really fast motorcycles, right? Well, I drive a an Acura, a ninety-one Acura, and it has more horsepower than that. Probably the motor is small to keep it light and has a job, you know, to 
do whatever the, the you know the air propulsion type thing is that it does. So it doesn't need to be that powerful. You see, it has to be lightweight. Do you think it uh, uses the propeller to motivate it on the road too, or? I I don't know. That's the first I've heard of it, so I I haven't had a chance to look at the specs and see what it actually does, but. It's all very interesting. Uh, I guess time will tell. Anything else on your mind tonight, Andy? Yeah, I was calling to update you about uh, the situation with my my little boy. I pulled him out of the public school up here, or over here, I guess, compared to you guys. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, I got a letter the other day from a school bureaucrat, and the funny thing is the guy was the high school German teacher when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I get this letter from him that says, blah, blah, we have been informed that you're homeschooling, yada, yada, and at the end it says, don't forget to call a blah blah number for the state to get tips on how to homeschool your child and register your homeschool student. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, 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 hold on. Wait, so wait, was that an invitation? Was he inviting you to call the state, or was it he, like no, you have to call the state? Uh, I swear the wording could not have been more ambiguous. It could not have been. So it leaves you with the question: Is it compulsory? Is uh, Nobody said specifically that it was, but, yeah, you're telling me I need to call this number and register my students. So, so basically, the way I see it, I have two choices. One, I can completely blow it off and forget about it. Or I can write them a letter back explaining why I think the concept of registering my child with... Let's talk about it. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk about those options. Hang on. We're going to bring it back, and uh, we'll see what the panel here thinks of the options. What should Andy do in this situation? If you've got any ideas, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. If you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, Again, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, and you can see our newest Shriner, Leah. Just added her over the weekend again, Shrine. .freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Uh, SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. We go back to Andy in Michigan. Andy, you recently pulled your son out of the government indoctrination camps. And you began homeschooling, and I guess you let them know what was going on. They gave you a letter. Uh, one of the administrators sent you a letter that basically said you had to contact them to register your homeschooling, and it was something else. What What was that? Hello? Hey, are you there? Can you hear me? I, I am here. Okay. Uh, so you were sent a letter, and the the letter basically kind of alluded that you might want to consider oh, calling. Oh, yeah, it was, stuck, it was stuck in right at the very end, you know. Oh, and don't forget to call the state and register your child. To register your child. Oh, yeah, register my homeschooled child. So, and and you said it was presented in a way that could it have been... It was totally interpret- ambiguous, you know. So, so you weren't sure if it was like, you need to do this, or this is something you might want to do. It was in between that. Hmm. It's just flat, you know. 
So you said so far you're considering either just ignoring them or sending them some sort of letter. What were your options that you were looking at? Well, I could either ignore them or I could send them a letter stating, you know, my reasons why I don't feel compelled to register my child with the state for any reason. Now, my opinion on that is if you write them and, and try and make it, a, or they, they interpret it as any way confrontational, they will pick a fight, you know, just to, to be right. Well, they're already all over me. They've had CPS out on me this year uh, twice already, I think, and then, you know, or last year. So uh, there's, there's, there's a long-standing issue between me and anyone in authority. Uh, really? They know I don't like them. Now, have you read any of the of their laws related to homeschooling and the, the requirements that they place on people? I read the ordinance once, and I, obviously I probably need to go back and read it again before I put together any sort of written statement to send to them. But but if it's not clear to me What I'm that, thinking is if I, if I can put something coherent together to argue my part, my point, I'll send it to them and I'll send it to the local newspaper. My wife's aunt works there. Ah, uh, that's Send a good strategy. It, yeah, copying it to the newspaper is a good idea because arguing with bureaucrats isn't going to do anything but waste your time. I mean, oh, they, I'll send them the letter. They won't be then, you know, I'll send it out, you know, I'll tell them I send it to them. They can claim to not have it or whatever they choose to do. But they do like way, to make those claims. Will be out there. They, they do like to throw things away and then claim they never received them. So you actually have to usually send things via, was it, is it certified mail? Certified I think? mail. Or you can go down there and, and physically hand it to them. That's another way to, to do it. Um, I could probably do that because I know people that work in the main office down there. So. Well, it's an interesting approach. Uh, so is that what you're leaning toward? Well, I, I, uh, if I got to make a of, vote. I've, I've still got this dispute brewing with the. With the same municipality over uh, their income tax. I told you about that the last time I called, too. So I'm still trying to work out how I need to handle that. Well, if I, if I they, get... want, they want to take me for like a thousand bucks in city income tax for a six-year period, and I, I don't, I don't uh, want to file with them. Well, um, if you're going to read this uh, ordinance, it's a violation I, I, of my Fifth Amendment rights, as far as I'm concerned. It, yep, you can tell that to the uh, the, lo- the municipality, the state, or the uh, federal government. I, but, however, I don't know how that's going to go for you. I think somebody's probably already tried it, that. It, all I can do is just go. I mean, really, technically, to be to be correct, all I can do is just go with what it really means, can't I? I mean, if I have to file this paper with them, then I'm, you know. I'm incriminating myself to their tax liability. I, you know, I absolutely concur with you. However, I don't know whether the bureaucrats will, and I, I, I suspect they probably won't. And, uh, but if I got to, oh, I should send, I should, I should send him a letter too, and send that also to the newspaper then, right? <laughs> I think you should correspond with them as little as possible. So you're saying ignore them? I agree with that, but that, that's not going to stop them from raising the liability on my tax. Well, the thing is, is they're and, inefficient. And then, and then bending me over that way. They're inefficient. If I don't, if I don't fight at the beginning, then I'm going to have to pay. I hear what you're saying. I, you, you're going to have to make your decisions as as you make them. I, I just, you know, as far as the kid situation, I wouldn't bring it up to them unless they, um, you know, read the ordinance, whatever it says. I have no idea what the ordinance says. Um, yeah, decide but then what who, you're. You know, who, if I if I don't do it, then who does? You know, who who says? How old your child? And who and who sends to those people and who tells them what it is that they're doing and why what they're doing is actually hurting people? Well, you know, Who's if you, I, do that? I say if he's already into it with the state, I mean, if they are already after him, then oh, they, why they, not? They don't. 
they don't like me. Right. Why not go to you know? Why not take it to the wall? Why not go all the way and you know send them a you know send them the letter and put it throw it out into the open. I mean, he's you said you already have encountered CPS a couple times. Oh yeah. Child Protective Services. So I mean, he's in pretty deep, Mark. I mean, why not? Yeah. At this point, The, the only thing that I have found to be effective. Uh, that really gets the bureaucrats' attention and gets them to leave you alone is to go after them with criminal charges. And I I am just learning that process, but I can tell you that's the one thing that they respond to. I was left alone. Okay, in that case, I'm sorry to interrupt, Sam. This is Sam, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Okay. I couldn't hear when the the segment come back. Um, What charge would I file against the tax-collecting bureaucrats? That's what I would ask. I mean, what have they done to him so far besides send some letters? Well, so the idea is to really – it starts with reading the criminal code of procedure, looking at all – these are all the rules that they have to follow. And one of those rules says if they violate any of the rules, they've committed a crime. It it varies from state to state. You know how the government system is. They're complex, arbitrary, and so forth. But you would have to read through that. Look at what they've done. Look at what the code says they're required to do in all of these cases. And anywhere that you find a discrepancy, you go after them on that. Hey, and Andy, it, oh, I was going to say, let us know uh, how this goes. Let us know what you end up deciding. And I thank you for the call. I've been trying time. to read this, and it, 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 this is where, you know, it, it does get tough because I've been trying to find the city universal income tax code or whatever it is that the state issues, which is like a blanket that, that mm-hmm. determines how all cities will collect income tax if they are to do so. In the state of Michigan, right? And it's it's a tough one to find, actually. Oh right? yeah, I mean, I, can't, I can and only imagine how. Reading it and figuring out what on earth it means. I'm with you. Know. I don't think we should have to read legalese. I think that you know it's another language, and I think that saying that you you are ignorant of it is a completely valid excuse. But whether they believe that or not is another story. Thanks for the call. Let us know how it works out. Appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I. I, I'm with him, man. I mean, it's so difficult reading those laws. How can oh, you do it's that? Awful. It is. It, it, for me, it was listening to other people who have done it that, and, and just hours and hours of uh, Randy Kelton's show. But you're saying read the law to find something you can bring them up on charges for. Right. To begin to understand what procedures they're supposed to, fo- to follow, and then when they're not, that's when you go after them. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. Speaking of corruption and calling people out on it, uh, Sam, you're going to tell us about a corrupt judge here in a little bit. Also, we'll take your calls about anything. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. 
Have you been looking to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover or wife, uh, spouse with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type in FTL at the offer coupon checkout. Offer code coupon checkout. Those words just don't go together for me. Offer coupon code checkout. <laughs> Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a bonus. Free gift. It's 50% off with the offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. And FunKnobs.com is an online store featuring whimsical decorative knob and pol- knobs and poles catered toward consumers looking to get the playroom, kids' room, bathroom, or even the kitchen a unique and fun flair. FunKnobs.com is the creation of parent company InnerKnobs.com. Online since 2004. Use the code FTL to save yourself 10% at FunKnobs.com. That's FunKnobs.com. One of our amplifiers said that they'd, uh, they, they'd spiff us some uh, amp money if we ran FunKnobs and AdamEve.com back-to-back. I suppose they... Uh, they, they thought that was it's, it's amusing. Clever, yeah. Okay, 1-800-259-9231. Your show, your calls, we go to them. Scott in Massachusetts, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott in Massachusetts. Going, He's gone, I'm sorry. Dan in Texas. I should try reading my call screening software. Dan in Texas, you're on Free Talk Live. How's it going? Hey, what's hey, on your mind I tonight? called in, uh, I don't know, about a month or two ago about the whole, um, shall we say, community radio project I've been working on. Oh, neat. And... Uh, you asked me to call back and let you know how it's going. So here I am. Uh, y'all are live right now in my little area of the world. Great. And, That's uh, exciting. So far, um, I haven't seen any black helicopters or white vans with antennas on top cruising by. So uh, it's working out pretty good. That's good. Uh, so you are running a community radio station. And how much money did you spend on this endeavor? Oh, well, it's like uh, 170-ish dollars. For the total? What, for the total? Total. Wait, no, 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 wait. You, you've got like a computer that's running the audio, so I mean that alone must be worth more. Well, than that. yeah, I had a, I had a beat up old laptop that wasn't doing anything, so I fired it up. I see. Yeah, you don't need the, the most powerful electrical bill. You don't need the most powerful of computers to run audio, so no. that's good. No, it's just running the stream right now on Winamp, and uh, I did a little road test uh, not too long ago with the car. I jumped in a, a stock car with a stock radio and a stock antenna and drove around, and I'm getting about. I don't know, five or six miles out of it. Now, wait, uh, wait, five or about, six miles, is that uh, diameter or radius? Uh, radius. Okay, well, so that's pretty, yeah, five that's miles pretty big. In direction. Wow, that's and, a pretty uh, significant that's, that's good pretty big footprint. Big. It's about 15 foot max off the ground. 15 foot off the ground? It's a bit of a valley. And it's, so. It's, so the antenna is mounted outdoors? Yes, sir. Okay, wow, it's 15 feet. outdoors, but it, it's still outdoors. That's 15 feet. That's pretty. I mean, 15 feet in the air. That's pretty good for 15 feet to get 10 mile uh, diameter. Right. That's incredible. Now, and, uh, is that no, a I, lot of people will drive the uh, drive the signal and and uh, it it seems to be somewhat subjective. Now, is that a a really good crisp clear signal at uh, five miles, or is it so bad you can just doubtful. barely hear it at five miles? At five miles, um, that's right when it starts to get a little funny. Okay. And uh, past that. It'll come in and out depending on your elevation, but five miles is a good, usable, no nonsense signal. So, so that's how many? That's awesome. How many? Uh, how many watts are you putting out there? Eighteen. Eighteen watts. So you got one of these on it. Was one of the Chinese ones on eBay? Is that what yeah, you got? Yeah, that H L L Y brand. H L L Y is the brand on eBay. In fact, I don't know. Have you been over to the Free Talk Live BBS yet? Yes, yeah. I have. I have not posted there yet, but I have. I have been reading that that whole subsection about that, and I really find that. Uh, 
to be a great resource. I yeah, to, I, I wanted to. Yeah, that's what I did. I, I I created a forum on the Free Talk Live BBS that's sort of dedicated to helping people with uh, either Part 15, which is sort of the legal no license broadcasting, and then also well pirate slash community broadcasting as well. And uh, I think there's some good tips over there, and there's some good information as well, especially about the FCC and what to expect out of them and how to deal with them. So, will you do us a favor and just kind of keep us in the loop as to the development of your station and whether or not uh, any law enforcement entities uh, get wind? I'll do it. What, what drove you to uh, take this risk and put this radio station up? Well, uh, your show is not available in my area, so I'm a podcast listener mostly. But uh, with the, the vast volume of good shows coming out of your area, um, you know, with the Free, free Minds TV and the radio mm-hmm. and uh, your show and uh, Goldsmith's show and, and all that kind of stuff, I felt, you know, why not? And, you know, my antenna is fairly hidden, and uh, my neighbors know me as a radio guy. I, I use certain bands legitimately, shall we say. So antenna going off in the backyard means nothing to my neighbors. I see. So you might be a ham radio operator or a CB, uh, CB operator or something like that. And so one more, one more antenna, no big deal. Right, right. Got it. And, and, like, and, and I set up in such a way that it, it covers our little podunk town and nothing else. So it's not really on the radar screen. My community gets it, and that's about it. So are you thinking and, that uh, it's going to be word of mouth that uh, that spreads here, or are you going to do any active uh, prom- uh, promotion? You know, I, I've been thinking about it, and like right now I have no idea if anyone's even listening. I really have no clue. I am. Uh, but uh, our our local grocery store has this great uh, bulletin board for people to post, you know, if they're selling livestock. or Yeah, that stuff's pretty popular, especially in smaller towns. Right, and it's very active. People actually pay attention to it. It's not just some crappy thing on the side of the building. You know? yep. So I, I, I've been thinking about putting something up there that has no direct connection to me, but lets <laughs> people know that it's out there. So now, when you post that on the bulletin board, are you going to put it up there as a legitimate radio station, or are you coming right out and saying, you know, this is a community station, unlicensed? I was either going to call it a Part 15 and play dumb, or just put community radio station and let it, people take from that whatever they Determine. Part 15 may be your best bet. <laughs> right. That's what I suggested. <laughs> Look, man, yeah, no, nobody's going to be fooled. Into, I'm <laughs> sorry, but hold on a second. Let, let, let me let me lay this out here. No one is going to be fooled for one moment into thinking this is a Part 15 anything. No, Ian, who's going to know what Part 15 is? Anybody who takes the time to look it up, I guess. Right. Those would be the only people that would know. And, and I'll tell you, the FCC is, is not going to be fooled the either. The FCC isn't going to be, but the FCC isn't going to know until someone reports it. That's true. Right. Right, and on that and on that note, I, I did spend a lot of time driving around in our little area with the radio, making sure the space I chose was dead and had plenty of dead space on either side. Very important. Did you choose FM or AM? This is FM. Okay, and nobody's going to ever <laughs> believe that's Part 15. Part 15, for those that don't know, is the FCC's legal zone for operating radio transmitters in the FM and AM bands, and it basically says that you can only operate with a tenth of a watt on either. Well, now, a tenth of a watt on AM could do something theoretically, but a tenth of a watt on FM isn't going to do anything more than cover your, cover your neighbor's yard. yard. That's, that's actually incorrect. Um, you, do, you do not get a tenth of a watt on FM. Really? What you get is something like 250 microvolts measured at three meters from the antenna, which is some crazy mm. test equipment you have to have. Uh, oh, I the see. tenth of a watt thing does apply to AM. That is correct. No, I, I apologize system. for my misinformation. So, what does that mean? Yeah. If you re, if you reverse calculate that millivolt contour or whatever it is, what it's is that? Nothing. 
Nothing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's less than a ten your neighbor's watt. yard. Yeah. Well, yeah, hey, that's milliwatt, probably. that's exciting though. I mean, are you fe- are you feeling nervous at all about this? I did at first a little bit, but you know, our little community, no one really cares about that kind of stuff unless you're causing a causing trouble. So I, I don't know, and it's not a full time station either. You know, oh, I really? play y'all live most of the time. You know, sometimes I don't have time to do it, but mm-hmm. generally y'all go on every night live. And then on the weekends, I just play a mix of reruns of Gardner and and uh, and Free Minds oh, and cool. uh, stuff like that. So. Well, fantastic. I just think that's great. I think the more people that can put up their own community radio stations and, and serve the com- their community with content that they just can't get from the big licensed carriers, I think that's I, – I, I highly encourage it. I've always been a huge fan of that. And uh, keep us in the loop, will you? Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Good luck out there. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I mean, it, it takes some courage to flip on that transmitter. I mean, he is. It, it does. Uh, but there are a lot of community stations out there that have been around for quite some time. Many of them last for years before the FCC Sometimes will decades. come in. And, and also, when the FCC comes in, there are certain things that happen that you can deal with if you know what you're doing. 800-259-9231. Like, number one, not answering the door when they come knocking. Don't talk to these guys. There's no reason to. If they don't know what your name is, how can they write it, write you up for anything? More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Whenever you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is you need to buy, go and shop there. And even if you need to save some extra money, buy used We'll still get a cut. So use new 41 categories, free super saver shipping, a whole lot of items. It's a great shopping experience and free talk live benefits. When you enter through Amazon.freetalklive.com, we continue with your phone calls. Scott is on the line in Massachusetts. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes. Uh, hello, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, uh, we're we're still have men in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's correct. So far, 4,200 boys have died. Over 32,000 are severely injured at Walter Reed Hospital. They have no arms, no legs. Uh, I blame APAC. Have you heard of APAC? I've heard the name. Yeah, American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. Okay. And uh, there's other, uh, there's like the Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith, the American Jewish Committee, World Jewish Congress, Zionists of America, Jewish War Veterans, and all of these other powerful well, Jewish and Zionist groups. What, literally why do you US blame those policy. people over the U.S. federal government, sir? Because they are the U.S. federal government. It's a, we have a Zionist-occupied government, SOG. Well, and, 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 Bush and, doesn't and, sound and, like a Jewish name to me. Government. <laughs> <laughs> you could go laugh all you want. No, I yeah, I will laugh all I want. Will, will you, You're uh, ludicrous. Please, please address um, whether or not Ju- Ju- Bush is a Jewish name. No, Bush is not a Jewish name, but Paul Wolfowitz is, and okay. Richard Pearl is, and Norman Podhoritz is. You got three. And they all railroaded <laughs> us into the Iraq federal war. Government. How many bureaucrats are there? Yeah. I'd like to let you know something. Do you know why we were attacked on 9-11? Because uh, the Jews did something it, terrible. It, right? we, were, we were attacked on 9-11 because of the over $10 billion the U.S. gives to Israel annually in military and economic aid 
I don't, don't think it I'll, had to do with the I fact I don't disagree that, with that. Uh, to some extent, that is true. I mean, well, wait a minute. It was the Saudis that, uh, that attacked us, I believe. The, the, the Saudis hate the idea that we're giving money to the Jews. Well, they right. might also not like the, the fact the, that they're... And they were so outraged that they attacked us on 9-11. They may also not like the fact that the U.S. federal government is in, uh, is in, in, <laughs> it is invading their countries and messing with their politics and has been doing so for decades, setting up military bases. You don't think that's a factor either? Yes, it is. We were in, 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 in Iran. Uh, we put the Shah into power. So between the Zionists, the, the, the Israelis, and, and, and uh, the Zionists in our country, Zionist-occupied government, uh, we've, uh, we, we've, we've outraged the Muslim world. This is why we're having the nightmares that we have. And I wouldn't be surprised if we got into a war with Iran. And uh, this is what, what's dragging. This is, do you know how much the Iraq and Afghanistan wars have cost so far? Uh, my Too under- much. My understanding is that uh, they're, they're, they're totaling out what they expect with uh, veterans' benefits and stuff like that over $2 trillion. Well, I heard a figure of $3 trillion. Okay. That we're, we're pretty close. Now, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I do think that uh, the attacks on 9-11 were a result Wait, of Wait, you agree both- as a Zionist-occupied government? Um, with I'm, I'm going to tell you the oh, things okay. that I agree with. Thanks. Gotcha. Um, I, I agree that the tax on 9/11 probably came from you know they they certainly use the 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 money that we give Israel as a talking point uh, when they're recruiting these nuts that are going to do the suicide bombings and things like that. I also think that it's the fact that we are you know in the foreign countries, which you agree with. But um, I, I, you know, and I think that I think that there are definitely people in the world that that want to see the uh, the is, is, the state of Israel grow beyond its current bounds. Um, it certainly has grown beyond little enclaves uh, back in the forty forty eight. I think they set it up, so it's grown. But um, you know, like I I think you I think you to some extent you're you're harming your cause when you use terms like Zionists and Jewish. That's because what they are, sir. The I, I, I understand, wheel, but I, I miss words with I, you. People the are going to write wield, you off as a bigot, is what I'm telling the Jews, you. The Jews he wield is. much too much power in the United States. That's not anti-Semitism. That's fact. Well, uh, I, the Jew, uh, well, what about the, what about them, the English? I them not only what about the Anglicans? War. I mean, what about the English? I mean, what about, a lot of people of, of uh, English descent that are wielding a great deal of power in the United States. I, as a matter I, of fact, Mark, all presidents have been uh, just the most of the presidents have been Presbyterians. It's those goddamn Presbyterians. It's not a race, it's government that's wielding too much power. I agree. Yeah, why do you focus in on just that one uh, because, factor? I mean, even if what you're saying is true, Scott, now hold on a second, I'm going to ask you a question, you're going to get yeah. a chance to respond. Yeah. Even if what you're saying is true, and that the Jewish people wield the most power in the United yes, States, do. even if that's true, well, you're still pointing, you, there, there are still other people that wield power here. Why aren't you concerned with people wielding power over others, and not so much with whatever religion they might happen to practice? Because because no other group, entity, ethnicity on the earth wields power like the Jews that is, is dispersed as them. What? You what about the Christians? About? You what, have to read. You what about re- what about uh, the com- what about like uh, Kim Jong Il or Fidel Castro? What about uh, people that aren't even closely related to Jewish people? Communism was invented by the Jews. Get I can't take Carl it anymore. Get, do you guys... Goodbye. Uh, 800-259-9231. See, that guy has... There's no logic whatsoever behind his viewpoint. It's just hatred for one particular group of uh, one particular group of people, and people like him are obsessed with it. They're obsessed. All that guy... He wakes up, and he thinks about Jewish people. That's, <laughs> he goes to sleep thinking about Jewish people. The Jewish people are thinking about, about him, people. I can assure you. No, I would hope they aren't. And it's disgusting. Despicable. One eight hundred. But we'll let you call about anything here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think it's important to let people like that on the air.
yeah. know, I think it's important to to uh, remind folks that there are still intolerant a holes out there, and that man, they they just don't even have a logical train of thought. It's just hate. A good friend of mine uh, is uh, a Jew- Jewish banker in New York. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's like, I, I, you know, he he wants us to never allow people like that on the air and never speak about it. And, you know, I'm like... What good does that do? I, right. I think that people need to see that so that it, it, it shows what... And I'm not sure... I think this Scott's far more articulate than a lot of people out there that are picking it up, quite honestly. But um, And he has he has some good points. It's just that he's wrong about the race thing. You can't just you can't just point somebody out by their race and say that's a bad person. Yeah. That's a really simplistic way of looking at the world. You know, I, I would agree. I, I there is a lot of evidence for some of the things that he says, and it, certainly there are prominent uh, people, Jewish people, in uh, positions of power around America. But it was through calls like these and and listening to the show that I came to realize the racism and the bigotry behind some of these callers and and behind some of their ideas and it 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 helped open me up to just kind of understand where these people are really coming from i i just wonder if people like scott will ever open up themselves i wonder if is somebody that is as deep into just hating others as scott is is there a chance that he could somehow crawl out of that hole and become a, a person who actually allows others uh, and who can uh, appreciate others, even if he doesn't necessarily agree with everything that they do, to to uh, to leave them alone? I mean, it could, could somebody like that ever let go of that level of hatred? Or does it just continue to just burn inside him through the end of his days to where well, he's an angry, bitter, used-up old man? I don't know the answer to that. However, he would have far, far, far less ammunition if the United States did not give money to Israel and every other country out there that we're giving money to. Uh, because we shouldn't be giving money to any other country. No, no American taxpayers should be going know. to support... He might then complain about them owning the banks or something. You know, he oh my God, well. they own he, corporations. He might, but I'm only saying that the credence that someone else might give him. Some of the things that he said are facts, and they're bad things. If we could eliminate those facts, those bad things, then well, we we he wouldn't he wouldn't sound like he made any sense. I'd like to think that there is hope for people like that, and that once they focus their energy and their thoughts in the right direction, that they could become really. Uh, powerful activists for liberty i would like to hope that too but i'm wondering what it would take to help open that gentleman's mind i mean obviously that was a pretty conflicting conversation that we had with him there i and i personally cannot tolerate people like that i don't i have no real interest i mean that was an extended level of toleration for me just keeping him on that long just to kind of explore the level of his hatred to kind of find out how deep in he is I, it's somebody who I would not want to spend any of my time working on. So, you know, how would someone like Scott ever come to an understanding that other people are just people and they're just like him? I mean, w- would it be a lady friend that could possibly bring I, him in? I, th- I think it's going to be ostracism coming from all different directions from but different people until many, eventually it lands with them. Yeah, ostracism is good. I mean, it's easy for us to ostracize him. We don't know. We don't know who he is. And we also, of course, don't know how vocal he is with the people that uh, that he's around in his life. I mean, if he's at work. Sure, there are some people that are pretty vocal about their hatred, but maybe he's not one of them. Maybe he's one of the ones that only calls radio shows or posts hate on the inter- uh, post hatred posts on the internet, uh, and he doesn't let people that are in his life know what his viewpoint is. Come then on, somebody like is that, that possible? Can you, can you be you know that eaten up with it and then not tell other could people? Be. If the if you feel as though you'll be ostracized, you could be cowardly in that way. Sure, I would think. 
Well, for me, uh, you know, I, I want to focus my efforts where I'm going to have the, the greatest impact, and it's probably not going to be with somebody like that. No doubt about it. You've got to pick your, pick your prospects, and uh, there, there are a lot of people out there. If you're working on somebody and they just aren't showing pro- um, that they're proceeding in the right direction, it can be hard, especially if you care about them, but leave them behind. Move on to the next prospect. 800-259-9231. We'll move on to your next phone call coming up in hour number two. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231 as we launch here in hour number two of the program. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. It is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Let's jump right into your calls. Start with Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Good evening, boys. Uh, there was a few things I wanted to mention that uh, is very important. One, we have a new bill coming into the House where they're going to try to take our guns away, oh. H.R. 1022. Now, wait, wait, what is this, the uh, the U.S. House? Yeah. H.R. And, 1022, you say? Yeah. Okay, and what are the uh, the details as you understand them? Well, as far as I know, that this is to take our guns away, period. And uh, so anyway, uh, this is you need, people need to start... Call in Washington. I mean, I've already told Nancy. I said, you better not even let this show up in the house. Fire up the fax machine, Paula. <laughs> Are you related well, to anyway, Nancy, I, too? I, I, I get on the phone to him. I raised Kane up there. But anyway, uh, there's another few things, too. This thing with Obama, uh, that this is – people have got to start calling the U.S. Attorney General's office and also the Supreme Court because they're trying to drop this. And this is a constitutional thing, and they've already violated the Constitution by not – Taking this case. Now, Paula, if I might make a suggestion to you, I mean, you've been calling this show for years. I don't remember when it was that we first got your calls, but it's been a long time. And you've been calling in, and you've uh, you've said that you, you you know you've got a connection to people in D.C. You seem to be a very very well connected lady, and you a lot of things come in on your fax machine, a lot of things go out on your fax machine, and you seem to be pretty connected for uh, somebody who's down there in Florida. Uh, why don't you have the internet yet? Because for one thing, I just uh, I really don't like it. As a matter of fact, the, the computer is dangerous. I mean, it gets off radiation too. <laughs> and I mean, I just uh, you know, I really I'd rather talk to somebody than to get on the internet. Paula, I mean, you, you don't know, that, use that a contact person to person. I think is a lot better. Do you use a microwave, Paula? Okay. Yes, we just warm something up, but that's about it. Meanwhile, well, well, Sam, the microwave has the grill. It oh, yeah, the, yeah. That's the radio true. active true. protection grill. Computer cases are not grounded. No, they, they are grounded, but yeah. they could still, I don't know. But I've never heard of anybody getting sick from using their computer too much, except for just staying up too late and not getting any sleep. No, Dig they back. said that they, yeah. they can actually just fill your house with radiation. Yeah, I mean, see, that's been, that's one of the things I'm concerned with here, Paula. I feel like you're getting a lot of your information from your fax machine and the occasional. Well, don't and the, the cell phones give off radiation? Cell phones do. Certainly. They do. They are okay. like eight. <laughs> and what about these new towers they're getting? They're getting ready to bring out they're towers with radio antennas. You people. bet. Yeah, there's there have been radio antennas transmitting uh, electromagnetic radiation through your body ever since you You've were probably uh, born. So 
what I want to point out here, Paula, and it's just a suggestion. It's your life. You don't have to do anything that you don't want to. But it's just a suggestion because if you're getting information from limited sources, let's say we've heard over the years you've told us you've got your fax machine and you get various different faxes from, pe- from people. You also have a few newsletter subscriptions, as I understand it. Now, I presume they're coming through the, the U.S. mail. Um, maybe some come through the fax machine, but you've got very limited amount of uh, information sources, and essentially, you know, you're kind of living in the uh, the 20th century as far as the uh, the amount of information that you have available to you. And now, the reason I have I'm suggesting more than what you think, <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I don't believe. I, I mean, I absolutely believe that you have a lot of information coming to you. But what I'm pointing out here is that the information you're taking out of your fax machine seems to me you're just taking it at face value. And when you told me a few moments ago that there's this guy gun ban that's been introduced and it's going to take away all the guns, I went ahead and I asked you for the uh, the number of the piece yeah, of legislation. HR 10, I think H- it's 10, Right, HR 1022, and I went yeah. and I punched that up, and it turns out that it HR 1022 is a bill that was introduced back in 2007, so almost two years ago. It well, they said never... they're going to bring it to the House again. Well, they, I'm sure somebody's going to reintroduce something like that, but what I'm pointing out here is that if you thought it was currently H.R. 10, uh, 1022, it is not. That Boy, particular piece of one, legislation... Two, 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 well, hold on, Paula. That... that piece of legislation does, does not exist anymore. They may reintroduce it under a new number. They may add some changes to it. But what I'm pointing out here is you could have checked the facts on that story that you might have received on your fax machine. You could have checked it out by punching it up on the Internet. Well, because you don't have the... the Internet, you don't have the access... It was on the power hour about this. Okay? Right. It's a radio show, and radio shows are just as questionable as a fax that happens to well, come I through your fax the machine. Well, I called about it, okay? And they knew about it. And okay. so I told them, I said, don't even let it come into the house. <laughs> Well, you know, I, mean, I do appreciate all the already. effort, Paula, and I'm sure that they're listening. Appreci- Whether they actually care is another question. I appreciate they that, do. too. As but a matter of fact, there's something they told me. They said since uh, um, this happened with the economy and all this, the Democrats are very, very shaky now about this bailout. And they said it's not working out the way they want it to. Aren't they going to do another bailout? Isn't Bush talking about one more bailout before he leaves office? They, they said something about uh, this uh, $350 billion that's left. And Obama's supposed to have already gone to him to uh, get this already started. Well, I think they say one thing and they do another, Paula. They might say well, one thing while you're on the phone with them and then completely do something else, like they did with the bailout. And a lot of people called them and said they didn't want that, uh, and they did well. it anyway. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I believe in the what intercoast, you know, the, the international uh, forecaster is saying. He is right on the, the international money. forecaster. Is that one yeah. of your newsletters? Does he tell the weather? No, no I'll, I'll listen to him on the radio. Where Where do you hear him? Is that shortwave? Oh, the power hour. Okay. And on Alex's program too. So, so do you see where I'm coming from, Paula, on my suggestion as to why the internet might be valuable to you? It would help you sift even dial through. up. You could get you could get dial up. That's true. At, uh, Ten bucks a month. It's cheap. It would help you sift through a lot of this information. Some of which is just, I'm sorry, but it's just not accurate. Well, do you I'm see the value in that? What, I mean, I contact people when I get information. I contact people. And you verify to it. Find out about it. You check it out. Yeah, check it out. But then how, like why didn't you know that phone. 1022 was old uh, old legislation? It disappeared two years ago. No, it. from what I understand from what we just heard, and I called the representative, and they said, yes, they knew about this. And so I told them, I said, don't even think about even well, letting it come back in the House. All right. Well, I, you know what I do appreciate, Paula, is I do appreciate your activism. I mean, well, there aren't very many Obama. people There aren't very many people that are going to pick up their phones and call anybody and do it and, and lift a finger to do anything. And that's something that you do. You're really good on the phones. And I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Hey, I'm, I'm just trying to help her out here with yep. a little suggestion. Gentle pushes. Well, 
It's it's not a bad idea to check some claims. You, somebody makes a claim, you go on the internet, and you, there are all of a sudden a hundred thousand different websites that you can verify yeah, it at. It's, it's funny how uh, Scott in Massachusetts, who called in earlier, is all worried about the Jews running the government when, in fact, Paula and her family do. <laughs> if he the only house knew. of David, isn't it? <laughs> Whatever. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Now, as far as an as a, as an assault weapons ban is concerned, I mean, just to look at what it was she was talking about here, HR ten twenty two. It was the reauthorization of the assault weapons ban. So I guess they banned so called assault weapons in the nineties during the Clinton administration. It expired. And the Republicans did this. They were accomplices in that, the, yeah. That was a, it was a Republican-sponsored uh, bill, from what I understand. Was it? Wow, yeah. okay. Well, anyway, so now they were looking at reinitia- uh, reinitiating it, and it, it, it didn't make it through, but they, uh, they could try again, and inevitably, if they try again, it'll probably come back with some new provisions. They might clamp down a little bit, uh, little bit further on what is and what isn't available out there, and it may be one of the reasons why a lot of people have been going out and buying guns. I mean, they've been reporting that... Gun sales are up since Obama was elected, and so maybe they feel like even if this hasn't been reintroduced, that it's blowing in the wind, and the, you know the, the gun owners are feeling like it's time to stock up. Uh, could this come back? Could assault weapons be banned? Sure, you better believe it could. Sure, there, they could. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say odds are good. I'm surprised it wasn't uh, reinitiated already. It's funny, the assault weapons. It's just another name for a type of rifle. You know, I mean, I so I understand it a very loosely defined kind of uh, right. Uh, sometimes you can just the difference of uh, wooden stock versus a plastic stock will uh, make one a, uh, an assault ban. I, I have actually weapon. some pre-banned guns. Uh, one of them is a Tech Nine. It's it's a old gun that used to be used in drive-by shootings. The mm-hmm. Intratech, the company that made it. Some employees put together a kind of a homemade video showing you how to convert it to an automatic weapon. That's one of them. Nice. One of the features on it, though, is a barrel shroud, which is kind of like a metal tube that has holes drilled in it. Now, it makes the gun look really mean, so that's yeah, why they banned it. Yeah. But it also keeps you from burning your hand <laughs> on a hot barrel after shooting it. So It's all about the looks, though, huh? Yeah, and then there's yeah. there's rules about 10 American parts. or yeah, There's so many parts that have to be American-made, so they do all these things, jump through all the little hoops, to get the same guns or as close as they can get to these assault weapons right. brought over, uh, put together in a U.S. factory with so many U.S. parts so they can be sold. And it's just ridiculous. It is. And, of course, none of it's going to keep guns out of the hands of those who want them. There right. are so many guns already on the streets. I mean, even if all of the legitimate gun dealers just stopped selling guns, they wouldn't go away. and They would just turn over to the black market and black market manufacturers would start popping up. There's no end to the the gun. It has been invented and it will never be uninvented. Right. You're not going to get rid of it. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So hold on to yours and bury them if you have to. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, including the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com to get interactive for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's both private and confidential. It's guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, you can get a free account there today because normal email is not secure. 
That's privacyharbor.com. Let's continue with your phone calls. Roy is on the line in New York. Roy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there, boys. How's it going? Just super. What's on your mind, Roy? Well, I had uh, I wanted to point out something. Like when you're on a road trip and you're driving down the interstate and then you pass the state line, the first thing you see is a sign. It says, welcome to Pennsylvania or Ohio or Indiana or whatever. And then you'll see a series of signs like, don't litter, $500 fine, <laughs> or, you know, you got you to gotta wear your seatbelt here. It's the state law. Or turn your windshield wipers on and, or turn your headlights on when the windshield wipers are in your state law, state law. Yep. So you're kind of bombarded by, you know, and it really kind of drives the point home where I don't feel too welcome when I cross the state line. <laughs> <laughs> Government likes telling you what to do. Yep. Hey, welcome to our state. Now here's how we own you. Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing they do is, you know, welcome to our state. Now, here's how we're going to threaten you. Now, the first time I went to New Hampshire, I drove up uh, uh, through Vermont and then into New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And it said, welcome to New Hampshire. And then it says, seatbelt use optional for those over 18. Use common sense. It's the New Hampshire way. Yeah, that is what it says. It's uh, certainly it, refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of a surprise. And so you guys got that. You have a whole live free or die thing going on there. But uh, I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit more about the nuances of the New Hampshire political culture. Like, uh, and explain maybe why didn't Ron Paul get more votes than he did, or uh, how you think Massachusetts immigrants are going to affect the, uh, the New Hampshire political scene, things like that. I don't well, really the, I mean, to start to with the last point first, the Massachusetts immigrants have definitely affected the political scene in New Hampshire. They've been invading here for a, a long time, and they've been fairly successful at implementing some of their ideas. So certainly they're pretty entrenched, and that's a lot of that. A lot of them is what we're dealing with here as far as in, bringing in liberty activists to counteract some of the, uh, the statist stuff that's been put forth by people like that as you were uh, saying recalling the sign that says use common sense live free or die i was thinking man can we send the city council by that sign and have them read it because it seems like they've forgotten there's i, I i've i've i'm new to this and i'm i'm kind of getting a feel for some of the local politicians and what they do and it seems like they all have some kind of self-interest in uh, controlling government and using it to their own ends. But of course they do. That's the nature of power. I mean, those who seek it are going to be the ones who inevitably find it, and they will wield it. Uh, and there was another point he'd made. What was the thing before? Uh, your, your question again, I, I'm, I'm spaced a little on You, you had a couple points. Ron Paul. Um, Ron well, Paul, yeah. that was what it was. Well, I, I would well, like yeah, to... Yeah, you guys had the, There was the Operation New Hampshire or whatever where that was. Yeah, he brought a bunch of people to New Hampshire. They had crazy activists all over. Snowing in the polls wasn't that good. Well, I'll tell you, here's, you know, I I have a few critiques on the Ron Paul campaign, and some of them come from our side and some come from um, their side. I don't think Ron Paul wanted to win the presidency. He just certainly didn't want to win it very badly. Um, I don't think he didn't campaign as hard as a lot of the, the the dirty, nasty politicians out there that really wanted it. Um, and you know he came here and did some speeches and and that was great, but I just uh, you know I, I think that translated to some people in the sense that they were saying you know he doesn't have a chance. Wait and a minute, what else is he supposed to do besides come and give a speech? I mean how, he's a politician. He he said he wasn't going to miss any votes in Washington D.C. Do you think John McCain said that? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so I mean you know he wasn't on the road doing the campaigning stuff like a lot of the politicians were. And he wasn't. 
campaigning as much. And I'd like to say that New Hampshire, by a little bit, managed to, you know, we got more people to vote for Ron Paul in the primary than than any other primary in the United States until one that was way, way later. And I think it might have been Montana or something. Um, so we were successful in that respect. And we had the only town in the United States that went for Ron Paul in the primary. I mean, I wish it had been better. I thought it was going to be about twice as good of a showing as it was. But it was a beautiful day in, um, what was it, February or, or January. It was. It, it's not like a snowstorm was coming down or anything like that. So people went out to the polls and they voted. It would have been better for us if, if it had been a blizzard. Well, and the reality of the situation is here. I mean, what we're talking about is the Free State Project and why it wasn't as successful with the Ron Paul campaign because we've got all these incoming liberty activists here to New Hampshire, and there have been a few hundred so far that have made the move. Sam is one of the mo- most recent ones here, uh, having been here about a week and a half, two weeks at this Probably point. Probably half of almost half of them have come after Ron Paul. That's a good point. Um, and the, yeah, by the time Ron Paul had begun, his, we're talking about a year ago now. I mean, for, as yeah. far as the primary is concerned, so there's a lot of more, a lot more activists that have come since then, but also we're also talking about the very beginning. We're talking about the very cusp of the Free State Project. This is a this is a movement that has I mean, barely even qualifies as begun yet. It has begun, but only a few hundred people. We're expecting thousands of activists in the long run. So this is a long-term project, and so to expect miracles at this stage in the game, I think, is a little unrealistic. But I, I'm glad people are expecting a lot from the Free State Project. I guess that means that it says it's worthwhile well, to it's, some people. It's a lot of ex- expectation from a group of people that, uh, you know, that aren't them. I, I think the, <laughs> the Paul campaign certainly could have done some things that would have been more effective and given him better results. But really, I think until the activists in the liberty movement can learn to craft their message in a way that appeals to the mainstream and reaches both reaches out to and just reaches the people that are, you know, the average American that's sitting out there watching four or five hours of TV a day until we can can get through to those people and put our message to them in a way that they don't have any any way to to discount it or or to throw it off and say and say no that that's not that doesn't work or that 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 will never happen until we can reach those people uh we're going to have some 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 ground to cover i guess any thoughts roy um yeah just a clarification then I'll, then I'll get out of here when i was referring to the activists i was referring to um I forget the guy's name. I think it was Sanjay something. He was a engineer at Google. Yeah, VJ. VJ Boypati. Yeah, that's he had brought a lot of people to New Hampshire from around the country. I, I mean, I, I know the Free State Project is the Free State Project thing, and uh, but it was VJ who brought all the people to for Ron Paul to New Hampshire. I kind of expected between them and the supposed uh, entrenched liberty in New Hampshire, I just expect a little bit more from, uh, yeah. from Ron Paul. But I, I expected more too. I, I'd like to say that I think you're expecting too much from political movements. I think that uh, one of the I, I'm a no fan of politics, and I've ha- I've been involved deep. I've managed campaigns. I mean, I I've been involved. Um, I'm certainly not the most political of people, but at, at one point I was pretty heavily in. And the fact is, you can pour pour time, money, and effort into politics. And can we pot him down? Got a lot of car noise there. You can pour time, money, and effort into politics and get very very low return on investment. If you're looking for return on investment. I don't believe it will be found in the political realm. That said, there have been some political successes here in New Hampshire. I mean, there have been some uh, some 
liberty has been defended in in a number of cases, and there are now four Free State Project actual members that have been elected to the New Hampshire State House. So there is some activity happening, and it is moving in the right direction, but it is slow. I mean, you're talking about turning the Titanic here. This is a very big ship, and it's very, very difficult to get anything to change with the political process because it's designed to prevent uh, outsiders from coming in. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours totally free at freetalklive.com. If you're thinking about starting a business, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, and trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231 to the amp line. We talked to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Hello, Gene. Hello, fellas. Hey, Hey, uh, everybody better watch out. The Christian anarchist is in the air again. What's going on? Well, I learned uh, I got my uh, certificate back for flying, so after 15 years, I'm flying again. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, but uh, I called to talk about a meeting we had this weekend with um, with a Chinese lady, kind of a distant relative of my wife's in China, mm-hmm. and she's in uh, Oklahoma City currently uh, working at a at a university there, and her husband is with her. Uh, just came over from China. She's been there for about over a year, and her husband just joined her, and he's a professor at some university over there. So we're talking about your educated kind of people that you would think would be the kind of person you want to immigrate to this country, right? That's what they claim. They, yep, and uh, so uh, what's happening now? And, and when I met my wife, which was uh, 16 years ago, she had gotten over here on a similar uh, arrangement and that was kind of like the holy grail of the of the uh, Chinese people back 15, 16, 17 years ago. They want they would do whatever they could to get over here because they all wanted to immigrate to the United States. Mm-hmm. Sure. So now you've got this gal. She's been here over a year working at a university. Her husband just joined her. They're looking to go back to China as soon as her commitment is up. They don't want to stay in this country anymore. Wow. You know, so we have gone from a place that was 15 years ago the place to go on this planet to a place now that, eh, you know, maybe I don't even want to stay there. You know, even yeah. if I've got the opportunity to stay there, you know, maybe I'll go back to China instead. That, because, I have to say, is really telling. Yep. And while we were talking, one of the things that came up uh, over dinner was um, the ability to cheat on taxes in China mm-hmm. is so much easier then the uh, ability to, of course, I don't like to call it cheating. I call, I call it keeping my own damn money. Sure. That's what I call it. But um, they've made the point that it's a whole lot easier in China to save your, to keep your money out of the clutches of the government than it is in this country, which is supposedly the land of the free. So, hey, uh, 
Hey, Gene, do you have any idea what the relative size of the Chinese government versus the U.S. government is? I don't. I'm sure the numbers are readily available online. I, I know that uh, as far as their uh, gross national product to the uh, amount of money they spend on national defense mm-hmm. is a far smaller ratio than what we spend. You know? Certainly. I, I'm the just thinking the, just ridiculous. the U.S. government is is far more sophisticated in its uh, encroachments into business it's just got its hooks into everything so that it's much easier for them to track and uh and account for all of this uh money that they demand a portion of the scary thing is that other countries are learning from the united states Certainly, so, uh the places like china are getting more and more like ours you know they're starting to hand out tickets left and right too i mean that for revenue generation this has been a big cash cow for the united states at every level of government is writing out tickets and infractions for everything they can think of. And that's why they want to write all those laws, is because it you know, brings in money for the, for the, uh, mostly for the uh, smaller government entities. Well, and the, the U.S. Government, I'm sorry, go ahead, Gene. Yeah, the federal government can just print up whatever money they want, but the local and state governments, they have to find revenue generation, so they do it through writing infractions. Plus, one of the reasons why the U.S. federal government is so large in comparison to other governments around the world, I mean, even if, we're, if you're looking at population, you would think countries with greater population should be have larger governments. It's not necessarily true because the U.S. government had a number of years in which there was a lot less regulation uh, than there is today. And so businesses and uh, entrepreneurs were allowed to flourish. And so essentially the economy grew so quickly that when the government did start getting larger in the more recent decades, it was essentially able to, as a parasite would, suck off a much larger beast. So, you know, the country had become a much larger uh, marketplace and the parasite of the state was able to siphon off, a, even if it was the same percentage as what they were getting from other countries, it would it'd be a significantly a larger portion of money or a larger amount, a, rather. It reaches a critical mass, you're saying. So at some point it's able to just really explode into all kinds of areas. Well, it was like it was like Stefan Molnius said in his recent video about farms. When you allow the farm animals to be a little more free, but still they're still locked into the farm, they still can't leave and or whatever. They still are having their uh, wealth extracted from the, from them. If they have more freedom to choose and more freedom to do things, they are better producers. And those better producers means more to siphon off the top for the government. So those governments. Get the bigger. people that are my age, um, we've had the opportunity uh, since I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, we've had an opportunity to see the encroachment mm. firsthand. And I think that a lot of people my age are starting to wake up. We're hearing a lot of more grumbling, a lot of more people thinking that, uh, you know, uh, seeing their 401ks disappearing and uh, their Social Security probably not going to be there when they want it. So people are w- waking up. They're saying, you know, when I was a kid, it was we actually had some freedom. Now we don't have any freedom anymore. And I think that uh, that this is the year we see it all come tumbling down. Really this year? Do. Well, I hope you're right. When you say it all come tumbling down, do you mean the complete dissolution of the United States of America? I mean the fall of Rome, yes. The, the United States will cease to exist. And what there will be in its aftermath will probably be smaller, uh, more localized governments with, uh, I hope, more freedom. You know what? I uh, I hope your prediction is absolutely correct. I don't think it can happen soon enough. And if it's 2009, then that's that would be super. I hope you're right, Gene, and I thank you for the call tonight. 
It'd make me feel sad, but uh, I, I don't think there's any saving this. Uh, Why would it make you feel sad, Mark? Just yeah. because you've been so indoctrinated with, yeah. the, with the state, with the uh, the nationalist pride? Yep. He wouldn't get to say the pledge, wave the flag anymore. <laughs> you could wave the New he Hampshire gets flag. all excited like, about that I stuff. like those. Uh, I, well, New Hampshire needs a better flag. Um, you can make your own flag. Far, flag there you go, Max. Edge land. <laughs> I, would, I would like that, too, but I don't think that just because the United States government goes away that edge land would come into existence. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to give you something to wave. So as... <laughs> I was uh, the man ta- needs a flag. <laughs> I was talking today with my wife uh, about uh, just kids and pop music. I was listening the Baby Einstein. Those video. darn kids. The, the Baby Einstein no video was uh, playing, and and you know they were giving their little spiel. They had like a, a two minute long commercial at the end of their like 15 minute <laughs> video that okay. they make that you pay 60 bucks for or something, something like that. I I think right. it was given by a friend. And they were saying how they're trying to, uh, you know, make parents and children more interactive with music or something. And I said, you know, I was thinking about this uh, person I used to live with who had a five-year-old daughter, a beautiful little girl, and uh, she would sing pop songs with her. And I just remember her, the little girl, singing, I want to lick, 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 lick you from your head to your toe. <laughs> um, I, like, it was so... It was kind of awkward, I bet. Yeah, like, it was weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can see how a kid may or may not understand what those things were. And then I was thinking, you know, is this bad? Is this dangerous? It certainly makes me uncomfortable. I can tell you that. <laughs> but then I think about, you know, bad, dangerous songs like uh, America the Beautiful and uh, the Star-Spangled Banner, and uh, I can't remember. You're what saying the it's those songs are dangerous because they're indoctrinating. People? They are indoctrinating, and they make it. They make Americans believe that the country is the pol- the politician, the, co- the politicians of the country, and the country is the politicians, and, the, and whatever the they the do people. is okay. No matter what, it's America, and we stand beside her and guide her and yeah. all that other good stuff. And, and uh, God's uh, you know stamping out the vineyards where the grapes of wrath are sword and cutting people down with this terrible swift sword. Especially those slanty-eyed Nipponese and those darn Islamic folks. Like these songs, they, they, to some extent, they, they get people whipped up mm. into a militaristic fervor. Well, didn't you say that you What's think that... worse? A little girl singing, I want to lick, lick, lick you from your head to your toes five years old or that kind of indoctrination well that's a that is a challenging question well, there's no answer to it now 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL cai toll free line you're welcome to attempt to answer the question 800-259-9231 or ask your own or bring up whatever it is that you want this is free talk live it's your show you take control of the airwaves This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do so by learning how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. whole list of things you can do there. Most of them are completely free. That's promote.freetalklive.com. Help us get this show into more ears around the world. Promote.freetalklive.com. All right, so let's talk about nuclear power plants. Uh, Since you said, Mark, you had a neat little uh, development that you started the show out with, this flying car that's allegedly to be released next month, I figured I'd share another interesting little marketplace development. From the Guardian, guardian.co.uk, nuclear power plants smaller than a garden shed and able to power 20,000 homes. 
will be on sale within five years, say scientists at Los Alamos, the U.S. government laboratory which developed the first atomic bomb. The miniature reactors will be factory-sealed, contain no weapons-grade material, have no moving parts, and will be nearly impossible to steal because they'll be encased in concrete and buried underground. (laughs) The U.S. government has licensed the technology to Hyperion, a New Mexico-based company, which says last week that it has taken its first firm orders and plans to start mass production within five years. Our goal is to generate electricity for 10 cents a kilowatt hour anywhere in the world, said the chief executive of the company. They'll cost approximately $25 million each for a community with 10,000 households. That's a very affordable $2,500 per home. Deal claims to have more than 100 firm orders, largely from the oil and electricity industries, but says the company is also targeting developing countries and isolated communities. He said it's a leapfrog technology. They plan to set up three factories to produce 4,000 plants between 2013 and 2023. So they already have a pipeline for 100 reactors, and they're taking their time to tool up to mass produce the reactor. And I think this is very interesting because it does mention that this is apparently a government laboratory that has uh, come out with this. So could somebody take this and say, aha, see, we do need the government to develop new nuclear-grade uh, power companies. It's probably power. only the government that would be able to do this. Mm, that's very realistic possibility. I, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I thought this was developed overseas uh, years ago. Really? Maybe it was. Uh, yeah, I thought that Hitachi was doing something similar to this. I, I remember reading some articles about the pebble bed reactors and... They're, uh, you know, the size of a small car that you drop them in. They they don't require any maintenance. I, I think this t- similar technologies have been around for years. So you think the uh, the U.S. government's essentially ripping off? Well, I, I think part of the problem is the uh, public perception. I mean, you hear about Chern- Chernobyl and some of the other accidents, and the, the, mm-hmm. that's old technology. The, the, it, nuclear power is much cleaner and safer than it's ever been. It's not run the same way. You don't have the same problems that you do with some of these plants that are out there that have been operating for sure. decades. So what you've got here, though, is uh, this: the government's bringing this in. Uh, and as you say, Mark, maybe they are the only people that can do this research legally. Because it was my understanding that there was a ban. I believe there's a more – my understanding there's a moratorium on building any nuclear power facilities – so, I mean, if they've got a moratorium on building the facilities, there's probably some severe regulations on what kind of experimentation you can do with this stuff. It, it's likely that uh, it's possible that another that a company is uh, in cahoots with the government to bring this out or something like that. They could have gotten a contract and they're helping or moving along or something like that, too. So they already have some orders uh, from and, and at least they're passing this on to some sort of private organization that can handle it uh, instead of having the government out marketing something, which would be an awful idea. Uh, but the first orders have come in from a Czechoslovakian, a Czechoslovakian infrastructure company specializing in water and power plants. Also, they're in talks with developers in the Cayman Islands and the Bahamas. The reactors are only a few meters in diameter and will be delivered on the back of a lorry to be buried underground. They must be refueled every seven to ten years. Are they going to ship a lorry in from Great Britain? Because I don't know <laughs> where they're going to get one here. Because the reactor is based on a 50-year-old design that has proved safe for the students to use, the a few... A few countries are expected to object. Few countries, rather, are expected to object to plants on their territory. An application to build the plants will be submitted to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission next year. He says you could never have a Chernobyl-type event. There are no moving parts, and that's got to be great news for as far as anything breaking down. Period. Uh, Temperature-wise, it's too hot to handle. It would be like stealing a barbecue with your bare hands. So there's nobody going to be able to steal these things. 
Other companies are known to be designing micro-reactors. Here you go, Sam. Toshiba has been testing 200-kilowatt reactors measuring roughly 6 meters by 2 meters. Designed to fuel uh, smaller numbers of homes for longer, they could power a single building for up to 40 years. I think this is just such a cool idea. love the idea of bringing in a a miniature nuclear plant and powering a small amount of houses. And, Sam, it it touches on something I think you'd called in about a little while back when we were talking about the power monopoly Mm -hmm. and how it is that there's so much waste on the power lines. You've got this central power station, and then it has to transmit the power over miles upon miles of, of lines, losing all kinds of energy in the process. And if we had a decentralized power grid, not only would there be fewer failures less often... Yeah, when you think about the power failures, what is it that always happens? The the a branches goes down. Yeah, yeah, branches freeze or get covered in ice. They they snap off. They fall over the lines and they break. Whereas if we had a decentralized power structure where maybe I have a something like this in my backyard and I'm providing power for my neighbors, or uh, I have a wind turbine or or a solar array, who knows what kind of uh, technological advances would come out in the next ten years. If if I do lose power, it's only going to affect a very small number of people and. I'm also going to look for neighbors around me who are maybe using a different technology that I can interconnect with so that if my system goes down, they can produce enough capacity to keep my customers happy. And chances are it's going to run much smoother than what we have today. This is this is really along the same lines as the way the Internet works. When was the last time the Internet went down? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That level of decentralization. I mean, can you imagine there was a problem here recently in New Hampshire with this ice storm a few weeks ago? Yeah. And people were out of power for many of them a week or longer. And that's a long time to be out of power, especially in the middle of the winter time when your pipes could freeze or worse, you could freeze. And it's just it was an awful situation. And a lot of people were very upset about the slow reaction time from the government monopoly power provider, which is that's what we have. That's what we're dealing with today. We're stuck, number one, in the 1970s as far as regulation of of power companies. You just can't they just can't develop new things. They can't create new nuclear plants. So even the power companies themselves are restricted from what they can do. But plus, there's a monopoly. So they don't really have any incentive to do any serious development or or research or anything like that or innovation. And so they just kind of take their time and they bide their time. And oh, well. You know, when the power lines go down, well, if you're living in a, living in a popular, rich area, you'll probably probably be reconnected relatively quickly. If you're mm-hmm. way out in the woods and you're the only person on the line that's been disconnected, well, not so much. Too flipping bad, right? Yeah. But if you had a situation like what you're talking about with various different power generating generating entities in different locations, like if you've got a neighborhood and it's all being fed by one power location, if a branch falls on one of those lines, presuming they're even they're even using overhead lines, it would seem to be a worthy investment to just put them underground. Uh, but For some reason, they don't do that here. It's expensive. It it's is. expensive, and nobody's competing, so why spend the money? So, uh, so let's presume they actually do have overhead lines. One of them uh, comes down. When you make that service call, it's going to somebody that's down the street from you. Mm-hmm. So they're going to respond lickety-split because, well, they only have so many customers to deal with in that particular range. And putting, w- making one fix may be enough to fix the entire problem. So it would be so far and above a better system, but yet we're stuck right now in this current situation where the regulations prevent anybody from developing anything new, and it prevents anybody new from stepping in and competing with the existing uh, marketplace. So if that's if we could free ourselves from the power monopoly, we could see very, very cheap forms of power developed relatively quickly, I think. And what amazes me is people will sit there and complain about the power outages and this and that, but they never, ever 
think enough to connect the dots that government is what's restricting and, and holding them in this current paradigm of power delivery and distribution it, systems. I agree. It seems very strange up here in New Hampshire where it, in, in my in my town, um, it, it seems like everybody has a tractor or some kind of bulldozing type equipment, some kind of heavy machinery. You would no one in Florida had one of these things. OK, I, the cost of a tractor you could set up a, you know, a windmill and some solar panels and all that kind of stuff and, and probably go off the grid. Your lifestyle might change a little bit, but you'd think that the, that the sacrifice would be made for these, you know, the, the, the drop in service that comes on a pretty regular basis. Is it that often? I don't know how often well, it is. Out, out, out in the, uh, the hinterland. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't yeah, happen in, in Keene, but... Right. So, uh, so, so, in addition to, since we're talking about developments, I also spotted a new, neat little article, which I'm not going to get into, but uh, it was about the idea of, well, what happens to farming when population really expands? You know, this sort of vision that a lot of paranoiacs have about, oh my God, the humans are taking over the earth. Of course, we know that's not true. You can fit all the human beings in, in the earth in a very, very small area. Uh, there's really plenty of room here. But what if uh, room starts to run out? Well, they said vertical farming. There are people that are that are developing technologies to create farms in urban areas in vertical building-like structures. People are doing it now in their own apartments. Uh, there's these uh, window box things that they have. My wife and I are going to start doing tomatoes just in our windows. Well, uh, coming up here, hour number three is on the way. Texas judge corrupt. We'll talk about it. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number three of the program, and you can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Joining you is Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go into a story about corruption. And it's not that hard to find corruption in America. It's all over the place. But what's so special about this story, Sam? Well, this one's in Texas and uh, actually from my hometown of Dallas. It's uh, Justice of the Peace, Thomas Jones, accused of running a Dallas court by his own rules, something I have a little bit of experience with. So is this coming from a Dallas paper, newspaper? Uh, From the Dallas Morning News, yes. Uh, In Justice of the Peace, Thomas Jones' busy and chaotic South Dallas court, numerous people were on the receiving end of unjustified arrest warrants, court rulings, and fines because of clerical mistakes and the judge's decision according to a civil action filed against the judge by state judicial regulators. Sounds like business as usual. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Uh, Jones, now this is South Dallas. This is the poor part of town. Uh, minority, black, and Hispanic neighborhoods. This is where the gangs are and so forth. This I is where you can get away with anything you want. As probably, a, a, yeah. A official. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine that in a neighborhood like that, courts are very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are in an upscale neighborhood, eh, probably not, not, not as much. Not as much as in Highland Park, certainly. So Jones, 65, whose questionable methods have already resulted in three state sanctions, now faces another discipline attempt by, state, by the state commission on judicial attempt. conduct. Yeah, so they're just trying to punish him. <laughs> I guess the first three times didn't work. And, it, you know, this is how it would go if, if like, you're a manager at Target or something and you had an employee acting up. You'd have to go to the CEO of the company to get them 
uh, fired or whatever. Uh, here's here's what they're doing. A civil trial will be held in Dallas later this year, after which the commission will either dismiss the case, issue a public censure against Jones. I guess that's uh, that's where we, that's where they say you've been a naughty boy. Hold out your hand, smack. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Or uh, they will go ask the Supreme Court to remove him from office. Mm. Uh, Jones said previously that the complaints were made because of frustration over long lines in his court. That's all he's doing wrong. He's just got long lines. <laughs> uh, the, 12, the 12 complaints against Jones, including one by another justice of the peace, paint a picture of indif- indifference, incompetence, misconduct, and mismanagement in his court. The accusation suggests Jones prefers to run his court according to his own rules with serious consequences like though, like arrest for those who question him. Oh, boy, that sounds familiar. Ever had anything like that happen again? Yeah. <laughs> Defendants were refused jury trials. Hearings weren't set. Parties weren't uh, notified of hearings or trials. Nice. And one woman wasn't allowed to present evidence at her trial. I think I've come across yeah, that Yeah, it feels like. <laughs> According to the state report obtained Thursday by the Dallas Morning News. Uh, not even justice, justices of the peace from different counties could get anywhere when they tried to intervene to get improper arrest warrants cleared, the report said. Uh, in these cases, Jones refused to drop warrants uh, against men who had already pleaded guilty in other judges' courts and paid their fines, the report said. He refused to drop warrants against men who'd already paid fines? Yeah, it's going to go into detail on this example. Okay. The commission alleges in its so report... So arrest him anyway. Apparently, <laughs> or, or you know, we're not going to bother doing the paperwork to, uh, <laughs> to uh, get the arrest warrant canceled against this guy because, hey, it's no skin off my back if wow. he gets arrested and thrown right, in a yeah. cage. I mean, it sounds like the worst that's going to happen to him here is he'll be uh, booted off the bench and there will be no real consequences beyond that. Exactly. If that even happens. That's because citizens don't know how to go after these guys with mm. criminal charges. This is the difference. This is how the system handles it. When you right. break the law, when you break the law, it's criminal charges and you're facing jail or fines or whatever. Yeah, it was a criminal charge over the couch in the lawn. Yeah. Here. It, when they break the law, they get public censure. Ooh. <laughs> Better not do that again. The, yeah, I guess he's not going to spend any time in jail. <laughs> no, nope, it's not even on the table. The commission alleges in its report that Jones' actions violated the Texas Constitution, state statutes, and numerous judicial canons, which are rules governing judicial conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones' court is the busiest uh, JP precinct in the state where long lines to pay traffic tickets and file legal papers are common. Court, uh, that's pretty common in just about any court because, you know, they don't have any incentive to provide customer service or sure. to add the right people. A narrow majority of Dallas County commissioners voted in February to hire Richmond to represent Jones before the commission for $250 an hour. Normally, the district attorney's civil division would represent Jones, but he asked for a private lawyer. The county so far, uh, county, i.e. taxpayers, so far have paid Richmond $3,438 in voice records show. Hold on. I'm confused about the names here. Who, who okay. got hired to do what? So so Jones is this, this justice of the peace who has these the corrupt guy. complaints. The corrupt right. guy. He's he's going before the commission. Now, normally, the uh, the prosecutor's office would send somebody over to represent him. Mm-hmm. He said, no, no, I don't I don't want these, the state-approved attorney. Just like, you know, if you, were, if you couldn't afford attorney, one would be appointed for yeah. you. 
he doesn't want that guy. He wants a private attorney. But the state pays for the private attorney? Yeah, it's not coming out of his pocket. So he's bringing one of his buddies in to be his attorney. At $250 an hour. And he doesn't have to pay He's not paying for it. No, the taxpayers are. The taxpayers, the the taxpayers who he's abused. So it's, yes. you know, it's coming out of the money from his victims. So wow. I guess it's okay. So that's one of the privileges of being a judge in that case is that if you need representation, the, the taxpayers pay for it. I guess. In Amazing. this case, they have. Uh, Jones became the Oak Cliff Precinct's first black justice of the peace when he was elected in 1990. 20, what is that, 28, 29 years on mm-hmm. the bench? How long has this been going on for? And and, and he's black. This is not a, a racial thing. This is a power. drunk on power yep. problem. Uh, okay, so what he's accused of, they go on. he goes on about how busy the court is, and they, they try and make excuses about, oh, well, we're, we, we're just overloaded and overworked. Of course, they're always overworked. Um, I, I know what will solve that. They could get a bigger court building, hire more bureaucrats, <laughs> and bring in a couple more judges. Yeah, Expand that the bureaucracy. Would fix it. That would fix it. One complaint came from a mother who went to Jones's court for her 16-year-old son over a speeding ticket. Jones had her handcuffed and arrested for contempt of court when she spoke up after Jones told her to shut your mouth, oh, the report geez. said. <laughs> Another complaint came... Have a seat! Have a seat! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't question me, sir. <laughs> That's my quote. Okay. Another complaint came from a man who requested a trial and was never notified of the date, resulting in an arrest warrant being issued against him. Nice. Failure he, to appear. He found out about it when he got a call from the county's collection law firm demanding payment of his fine. Oh, man. Uh, Navarro County Justice of the Peace Vicki Gray complained after her attempts to clear an improper arrest warrant issued by Jones went nowhere. A guy pleaded guilty in 2005. The JP collected half of the fine. This is Vicki Gray. Uh, and credited him for the remainder due to the time spent in jail. Gray sent Jones Court the paperwork because he had issued the arrest warrants, but the warrants remained active. The defendant, <laughs> so wait a minute. This guy's paid. She says, you've been in jail. You're clear. Sends the paperwork over to the original court to say, hey, take care of this guy. He's been cleared, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Well, and, and when this – and this is – this is somebody in the system. So, I mean, that's how bad it is. That's how little yeah. these guys care. And, and mm-hmm. that's why I guess he's got a judicial complaint from another justice of the peace. Wow. Um, you really have to cross some lines to have your own coworkers go after you in the bureaucracy. Normally they are buddy-buddy working hand-in-hand uh, hand to, to fleece people. But, I mean, in this case, he's got his own people turning against him. The defendant couldn't get any help from Jones's clerks who had treated him rudely, the state report said. <laughs> The following year, uh, Ward sought Gray's help because the warrants still hadn't been cleared. This is the defendant. Hadn't been cleared, and Jones' clerk told him he owed over $900. So now they're still coming after him for the money that he has already paid. paid, And that they're threatening him with arrest over. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> what well, what about the what about this uh, the bureaucrats what about the clerks I mean do they bear any responsibility here uh, clearly the system isn't going after them at all they they they're just following orders so they're not culpable they have requirements to accept the paperwork file it into the case but it's the judge who I believe holds the responsibility here. I see okay. Uh, among the complaints listed uh, against Justice of the Peace Thomas Jones by the State Commission on Judicial Conduct. Wait, there's uh, still more complaints? Oh, yeah. Well, this is going back on a few. There's several examples here of people that he have, has done wrong, and that it's, it's amazing. We'll continue with this in a moment here. It's just one example of one courtroom somewhere in America. Someone's going to inevitably say, well, it's one of a bad apple, just a few bad apples. Most judges are good guys. Really? 
what is the system that they work for doing to people? How could you really be a good guy and spend your life hurting people who've never harmed others? Most of them haven't. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We have got updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Sam is telling us about a story out of Texas where one judge has had the heat brought on him a little bit uh, by a lot of people complaining, including another one of the justices of the peace. Uh, so one of his co-workers even registering complaints against this guy. So it's gotten so hot and heavy, some sort of commission is finally reviewing the case, and they're considering what to do about it, which one of the three possibilities, or the three possibilities, are ignore this, let it go away, or to censure him, which basically means say, naughty boy, and the, publicly say, naughty boy. And then number three, to remove him from the bench. Have so, the Supreme Court remove him from the bench. So you have to go all the way to the top. So the Supreme Court could still reject it at that point, too. Of course. So uh, but the, what's, what you're pointing out here is that there's all kinds of evidence of malfeasance and just corruption and wielding power and hurting people and just it, it, just this laundry list of things this guy has allegedly done. And the worst that can happen to him is that he's removed from his job. And that's it. That's it. Whereas if any of, any of the rest of us did anything to harm another person in our life, in, in the way that we do our business or in our transactions or in our daily life, we would be in severe trouble for that. We might face jail time. But this guy, nothing serious is going to happen to him. You were going to continue this uh, list of things that he's alleged to have done. Yeah. There, one of the 12 complaints against him, this is just one example. I thought this did a wonderful job of kind of summing the whole thing up. These are only the people who've complained, I might point out. So for every one of these complaints, you can imagine there are probably at least a hundred other uh, individuals who've just had their who lives just crapped left, on. Who have just left angry and got into the car, slammed the door, and left mad. And but, they don't want to deal with it anymore. They or don't they wanna... don't know what to do. Yeah. They don't know what to do. Uh, so one example, uh, Robert Reitman Cervantes. In 2002, he was cited for speeding. He pled not guilty and requested a trial. In 2003, the wheels of justice move quickly. Uh, just before his trial, the prosecutor dismissed the case. In 2005, he received a collection letter from a law <laughs> firm about his pending case. The letter demanded that he pay $221 within 10 days and warned him that he might be arrested. Wow. Uh, Reitman Cervantes called the court and spoke to a clerk who told him that his case had mistakenly been flagged as unresolved in the system and that, quote, it was the court's practice to send all such cases to collections without first verifying the accuracy of the information. I mean, after all, if you are a government agency and you send an invoice to somebody, they're going to pay it. I mean, for the most part, odds are good. If mm -hmm. it comes from, from some official-looking government bureaucracy, they're going to get out the checkbook and they're going to cut the check, even if they know it's wrong. Even if they know they've already paid it, or even if they're confused or whatever, they're, they're, it's just more worthwhile for them to just cut the check if it's a couple hundred bucks 
it's more worthwhile to cut the check than to have to call a lawyer and to have to go through whatever the process is to file some kind of complaint and and, and deal with all that. Nobody wants to deal with this stuff. I don't blame them. I didn't want to do it either after they abused me. And look at how long this has dragged on. This started in 2002, then right. uh, the hearing the, in 2003, 2003, and then, then 2005. 2005. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's 2009 <laughs> right now. It's crazy. <laughs> he, he had no idea. He's like, what tick, ticket? Three years? What? I mean, yeah. these aren't the, the biggest. This isn't the biggest thing that's going on in your life. It would be no. difficult to remember this. Well, this is not Jones's fault. Jones told the Judicial Commission <laughs> that there was no procedure in his court to check the accuracy of his clerk's computer entries before the county's collection firm is allowed to contact defendants. We need an official procedure. That's re- that requires active uh, legislation. We're going to have to go through a process here, people. Yeah, I, I mean, this is. This is, I think this is typical of what goes on around the country with, with government. I mean, this is just one of the side effects. I, I don't think these clerks and these, these bureaucrats get up in the morning and think, aha, I'm going to mess with some citizens today and really stick it to them. This is what happens when you have people who are just not held accountable, who, mm-hmm. who can do whatever they want, and you see what's happening right here from this story. The judge, not even the clerks, the clerks can be rude as they want, and the judge might get a slap on the wrist. Yep. And it's, it's happened three times. It's just, it's it's really sad. If you've got any comments on this or you want to relate a similar experience, 800-259-9231. Of course, you can also bring up what you want. But to go back to my point about the bad apples, you know, because somebody that's maybe hearing this show for the first time and, and hasn't caught on to some of the themes of this program uh, what they might say to themselves, well, I mean, this is obviously a bad guy. I mean, clearly the evidence is there. They've been, they've been doing things that are wrong, but I don't hear stories like this about my town. This isn't going on where where I live. Go watch the Court of Public Relations, a video that I put together that showed a judge acting exactly this way with me in a speeding case. Uh, you can do that over at ObscuredTruth.com. That's the site to see Sam's video work, and uh, th- th- that, again, is ObscuredTruth.com. But, again, Sam, I mean, it could be a total fluke. I mean, just total coincidence. And besides, you were, you were stirring things up. You brought a camera in there. I mean, you deserve that. Well, he didn't know it was on. I, I carried it, kind of <laughs> swinging it around so that he wouldn't possibly think that I was filming that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was. <laughs> so, but, but but I mean, still, bad apple, total random chance. You just happened into another bad guy. That's no, all. I mean, it was Texas. I don't, I don't think or- so, because I had a speeding ticket earlier where I went in and tried the calibration defense, where you go in and you talk to them, you ask... There, there's there's case law out there that's established that says they have to do certain things when they set up a, a speed uh, trap or whatever mm-hmm. station. They have to calibrate the device, all, all of these steps that they have to go through. I went in and questioned all that. The judge didn't care, railroaded me over and threw me out. I was so fuming mad after that. I called up an attorney to see about an appeal. But in Texas, if you want to appeal a speeding ticket, what's that cost? Tens of thousands is what they to told me. To appeal a speeding ticket? Yeah. If you want a lawyer to do it, because they've made the process so complex. And you know what the judge told me at the end? You can appeal it if you want, but the appeals process in Texas is very complex. Good luck. <laughs> Good Lord. He knows. They he knows know how insulated they are. It's stacked against you, and you've got no chance. Right. So here you have a guy who is paid by uh, state funds, you know, collecting state funds. To serve you, funds, right, to protect and serve you. Supposedly. Um, to collecting the state funds from you, and there's the appeals process has been made so difficult and expensive that no one would do it in their right mind uh, yeah. unless it was to prove a point and had a whole bunch of disposable income. The lawyer that I did, one of There's the lawyers... There's a system that's going to work. <laughs> one of the lawyers that I did talk to 
uh, knew this judge, knew exactly who he was, mm-hmm. told me about, well, the only thing you can do is file a, a complaint with the Judicial Conduct Committee. I had no idea who they were. I did file a complaint. Um, what they did is they looked over all of my allegations. They talked to somebody else in the courtroom who said that, oh, none of that stuff happened. Now, there were four people in the room, myself, the judge, the prosecutor, and the bailiff. Who do you think they talked to? <laughs> Not you. Yeah, the bailiff. The yeah. bailiff is who they went and talked to, and he's there. He doesn't work directly for the court. Bailiffs are supposed to be independent. They are there to keep order in the courtroom, and if anybody breaks the law, it is their job to arrest that person, whether it's me or, or whether the judge. it's the judge. Right. right. It is not supposed to matter, but because they're in there. That does not happen. <laughs> they're in there every day with these guys, and they, they become buddy-buddy. And they don't feel that way. I mean, they feel like the judge is their boss, and right. that anything the judge says they is are, the holy order. They are scared of those judges, I tell you. Right, and they're, <laughs> the fact is, uh, essentially, the bailiffs are the judge's minions. They're his uh, his army, his small little army. That's the reality. Right. That's yes. the reality of it. All right, yes. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind, your Calls coming up about anything, 800 259 9231. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, including the wiki. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com, is like the listener-editable version of our website. You can go there and edit virtually anything you see, so enjoy. Wiki.freetalklive.com. To your phone calls, we go to Sean, listening to W-I-M-S. Sean, you're on Free Talk Live. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, wait, I'm sorry. Are, are you in Louisiana or in Indiana? Or Indiana, rather? In Indiana. Okay, very good. You are listening to W-I-M-S. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Um... This happened probably uh, the beginning of the year, last year. Uh, me and my wife were going to get married, and I specifically took a day off so we could go up to the courthouse and get the marriage license and everything. When we got there, uh, we were running a little bit late because of weather and stuff like that. When we got there, it was a quarter to five. We went into the courthouse, went up to where they do the marriage licenses, and the lady wouldn't do it because she said it would take too long. Ah, customer service. It's so good with the government folks, isn't it? Oh, yes. Lovely. You know, uh, government's supposed to serve the people. Well, I mean, come on. If it's going to, you know, she said, oh, it'll take 20 minutes. I'm like, well, that's 10 minutes past five. Can't you guys, you know, do this? I took a a whole day off of my job, you know, so I'm losing a day's pay just to get this done. They don't get paid overtime for that. Come on. And what did she say to you on that one? She says, I'm sorry, but I can't do it. I will not do it. Um, you're just going to have to come back at a later date. That's right. My union rules prohibit me from working one moment beyond 5 o'clock. <laughs> did, so exactly. um, did, did, they not, did they not marry you on that day? Well, we weren't going to get married. We were just going to get the license. Okay. 
And, and like I said, you did know, you, she said, well, it's going to take too long. Did you so not, we, we can't do it. Did you not get it on that day? No, we, we couldn't get it done that day. Uh, so you didn't. My wife you took the day is off more, of, hold on, you, more you, pressing you, than I am. You took, the, you, took the, went, you took the day off of work and you didn't show her a $50 bill to see if you could get her to stay around? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's what I should have done. But, you know, I figured, well, you know, at my job, if um, I'm a mechanic and if I'm uh, working in a customer's car and they're waiting for it to get done, and if I have to stay a little bit past 5 o'clock, so be it to to get that guy back out on the road. But, I mean, yep. come on, five, ten minutes just to, to fill out some paperwork and we're out of there? Well, the reason why you have to do that at your job is because you're not the only car repair shop in town and somebody else could, then that person could go to another uh, mechanic next time and you might lose their business next time around. So you've got an incentive to make sure you give them good customer service and you take care of them. Whereas this lady... Her job is not going to be affected one iota whether you come in uh, at five, uh, you know, five o'clock or whether you come in at eight a.m. She's got her job to do. Whenever it is, uh, she'll get around to doing what she needs to do when she gets around to it. And you'll wait and you'll put a smile on your face because if you cop an attitude with her, she'll call the cops. Then they're gonna, they're going to come down and you're going to be the one with the problem at that point. And she knows it. She knows that she has exactly. no obligation to help you at all. She she doesn't give a damn. She claims she's sorry, but is she really sorry? She gets to go home right at five. Right, and and she wasn't pleasant about it either. I bet. So what? And besides, but, uh, what can you do? I, I mean, can you register a complaint with her bureaucracy? If you went up the chain to the management, they'd tell you the same thing. If you went to the administrators, they'd say, "Well, sir, you did arrive at four forty-five, and this is a twenty-minute process. So uh, we're sorry, but uh, well, you're just going to have to be on time next time." Well, if you know their laws and you uh, point out to them that they are not following their own rules, then you can pull out the phone and call the police or threaten to, and that might get their attention. So easy to say, yeah, Sam. But nobody knows the laws. That's true. Right. Nobody, nobody knows the laws. And I guess what you really just have to understand is that when you're going to deal with bureaucracy, you should take the whole day off and start at 9 a.m. Because you, you're going to expect, when you go into a bureaucracy, you have to expect a line and you have to expect incompetence and you have to expect to be passed off to some other bureaucracy or some other bureaucrat in another building. You have to expect to go over there. I mean, you really have to expect to spend all day at the bureaucracy. Even if it ends up just taking 20 or, or 30 minutes, you really have to plan it that way. So, I mean, unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. They're completely insulated from any kind of consequences for treating you like this. And, uh, uh, of course, my question for you is, why do you want to get a marriage license? Well, we're just, this is the first time we got married, and we're you know just okay. You got to go get a marriage license, so that's what we you know that's told what we you did. That? If we didn't know we had didn't need one, then we probably wouldn't have. Who told you you needed to get one? Um, her mother did, and my parents did. <laughs> Tradition. Well, yes, it is a tradition, and uh, a lot of parents will look down upon not having a license as though that somehow it makes your marriage illegitimate. Well, that's what they did. Well, that is what they did, and they feel like you should go through the same exact steps, that you should suffer the same abuse, that you should pay the same fi- or the same fines or taxes, because that is all it is. It's just a tax for them to give you a piece mm-hmm. of paper. And, I mean, does, does the government marriage license make it so you love your partner more? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so. Like I said, if, if you know, they said we didn't need to do it, we probably wouldn't have done it. Now, of course, the question is, do you need to do it at all? And the answer is no, unless you want the specific legal perks that can come from having a marriage license. And they do make it so that there are some benefits. Mark, you got married uh, with a government license because of some sort of insurance benefit or something like that. So there are some reasons to do it. But, of course, in the long run, if you end up getting a divorce, then you're owned by the government divorce process. And that can be a real hard time on people. Whereas working outside that system, you could still go to a church. 
could still have a marriage ceremony. You could still go through the motions. You could still uh, you could still pledge yourself to another individual. You could still write a contract with that other individual. But you don't need to have the government marriage license to love somebody else. It's a myth, and it's just another way for the state to extract money and obedience from you and to control you in the long run. I agree with that. I, I think, however, there's it's a good idea to have a contract in order to live with people, um, you know, to, to exclude certain behavior and include certain behavior. I'm all in favor of contractual relationships, if that's the direction you want to go. The problem is the government will still step in with common law, don't they? Common law. There marriage. are some states where they the claim state, that, but um, you know, certain rules that apply, and I know they vary. It's once once children come into the picture, you've got the paternity issues, and it's it's all downhill from there. As far as the the government's very th- thorough in uh, the family court. Sean, yeah. thanks for the story tonight. Really appreciate hearing from you. They're calling from WIMS no Land. I've been listening to you guys a long time, and it's the first time I call. Keep up the good work. Awesome. Yeah. Hey. hey thank you for that. And I'd like to encourage uh, those of you listening to radio to this show on the radio to call up the local uh, talk station that's carrying the program. And talk to the program director, the general manager, and, and give them, you know, let them know that you appreciate them airing Free Talk Live. Uh, WIMS, I am a huge fan of. They are one of our weekday affiliates that actually carries us live. I mean, not that I don't appreciate those affiliates that delay broadcast the show, but it's nice to nice to be live and get uh, get people like Sean listening and calling in and participating. So, uh, big thanks to WIMS and the rest of the great radio affiliates carrying this program. By the way, we announced three brand new affiliates today. Uh, they're not on tonight, but. They did come on for our Saturday show here in New Hampshire, so expanding the show out to Manchester and uh, the seacoast in New Hampshire on the WGIR Trimalcast. So cool. Pretty exciting. 800-259-9231 to Sincere. Listening in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sincere. Hello? You are on the air. Uh, yes. Uh, this is actually directed towards Mark. Yes. I told Mark I would call in. And I was the one that was saying that uh, the guy that's on the message board, Officer Liberty, telling him he should quit his job because once he found out what he's doing is wrong, he should quit his job. And there's other ways to help people without, you know, also having to take away people's rights and, you know, basically arresting people that were in crimes that had no victim. Yes, and I said, just like when I found in the military, I did everything I could do to not get deployed again because I realized I was reducing people's rights. And that whole concept of defending my country by offensively attacking people that have nothing to do with anything is wrong and you were saying well i should have just quit then and there and oh I no like, well, i didn't we'll i didn't make that recommendation sincere on the on the bbs I, I i know what you're referring to i did not recommend however i was uh, simply pointing out that you guys were you know holding the officer officer liberty to a very high moral standard on the bbs and um if you if you didn't quit immediately then you weren't holding yourself to that same moral standard I think you should have finished your deployment um, in, in the same way that you did, and I think you made the right moves. However, I, the, the question I think the larger question here is: Should a person be, uh, sh- should a person who believes in liberty uh, be a police officer at all? And well, my thing was this though: if, if he's saying he was he was saying that, well, I can't choose whether to disregard the rules that I do. If if you want me to stop arresting people for smoking weed, then you need to get people to change the laws about it. Like, he was basically trying to take the onus off himself and try to hold other people to the ultimate responsibility. When he's the one that's arresting them, he's the one that sees people smoking. The I believe that. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Sincere. I believe that's a cop-out, and we just encountered that recently, Sam and I, with uh, Lieutenant Maxfield here in Keene. Let's keep this conversation going more with Sincere and your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can AMP. Join the Advertise, Market, and Promote program that we have and send us three bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing uh, bringing more Internet listeners on board around the world and spreading the message of freedom as far and as wide and as fast as possible. You get perks as well, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved? Well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows uh, you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. 800-259-9231. We go back to Sincere in Illinois. Sincere, you're recapping a, uh, a conversation that went on on the Free Talk Live BBS between you and Officer Liberty, who's a younger... Uh, I guess you were involved as well, Mark. Uh, but Officer Liberty, a younger policeman who has just started on the police force in, I don't know, Minnesota or something like that. And you guys had gotten into it because you were saying that, well, once you discovered what liberty was and what it meant when you were in the military, you understood that you had to leave as soon as possible. And you said that you believe that uh, Officer Liberty, if he really believes in liberty, should also uh, quit his job. And, Mark, you jumped in pointing out that, well, if Sincere was really serious about what he was saying, he would have left the first day instead of waiting till his, uh, his time ran out. And so you were saying that well, Sincere was holding Officer Liberty to a higher standard than he was holding himself to? I, right? I, uh, well, I think that right. I, I think I pretty pretty thoroughly owned Sincere on that, that particular point, and that's not no, why. No, you didn't. And I'm going to tell you why you didn't, though. There's, there's a reason why you didn't, because here's the key difference. If Officer Liberty quits today, if he was to quit today, he could turn in his gun in his bed, yep. put it on the table and said, I'm out. Yep. And guess what? There is no legal ramifications they can do. They can't go, oh, well, since you want to quit, let's throw you in the brig for two years. Right. That's mm-hmm. what would happen to me. I would have served the rest of my time from 2005 on to 2007 in the brig. There if, was nothing to gain from that. What's the gain from another black man being in jail? whoopsie do. That's not going to be any <laughs> freedom-loving thing. There's not going to be any parade and march and protest about that. Well, so what you're saying is that you you could accomplish more for liberty by being in your job and doing your job than by being um, out of the military and doing what's moral by your standards. I did what Ian told me to do because I I called in then. (laughs) Don't drag me into this. No, you did three years ago, four years ago, actually. You told me it's good to have somebody inside and maybe you could throw a monkey wrench in the stuff. So I pretty much worked ineffectively. Slowly, basically, I just did a work slow down. Basically, I tried to screw up stuff as much as I could. Oh, that's not unusual. That's what all the bureaucrats do. That's standard procedure. (laughs) So I I don't want to go after you on that particular point. Um, If anybody wants to look at that conversation and add to it, they can go to the uh, BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com. Search for the the word pasta in the last ten days, and you will come up with those with that uh, (laughs) that particular. My thing is, my job. I didn't have to every day. I wasn't every day going out harming people and taking away people's rights. I was in the States for a good 90% of the time. Anytime I did go back to Iraq, it was only on fact-finding missions, and I'd only go for a couple days. I carried a gun, but I'd have to shoot it because I was with a general, and no one attacks a general. The highest person ever to get killed in Iraq was a colonel, and there's only been one. So, like, 
it was so sincere. I if, didn't have to worry about. <laughs> if he, if he, if this cop follows your advice and he quits today, what's the right. what's the result on policing? What's the impact? Nothing, obviously. Nothing. I mean, hold on, hold on. You've got a cop in there that understands the ideas of liberty. That has. That, hold matter. on. He's got some discretion in how he does his job. He can certainly um, address problems in a different way than one of these rookie cops who is right out of uh, the academy and gung ho. Let's go get him. It, when he leaves, you've got the you've got more of the of the bad guys, so to speak, okay. in there okay. doing the job. How okay, can you say the there's thing, no though. impact? Here's the thing, though. Here's the, here's the twist, though. It doesn't matter who arrests me. If I have a crack rock in my pocket, it doesn't matter who arrests me, whether you think you're, whether you're racist or whether you're a hardcore liber- libertarian. If you arrest me for that crack rock in my pocket, I don't care what your beliefs are. You're still harming a person in a victimless crime. Right. I, I agree. I, agree. I, understood. I agree. Understood. I, I agree with you. The point, Sincere, that it doesn't really matter if um, a liberty-oriented person, a person who believes in liberty, is doing the same things that a person who doesn't. He, said he would. That's the thing. He said he doesn't care. He said he's he doing the, yeah, There's people. no doubt that he's doing right. the wrong thing. But I'd like to point out, I mean, uh, Mar- or, or Sam, when you and I were out at the marijuana protest over the weekend, Lieutenant Shane Maxfield came out and was one of the arresting officers. Andrew mm-hmm. Carroll was there holding marijuana in his hand, obviously not harming anybody. And Lieutenant Maxfield came out and he did the wrong thing by arresting our friend for, for possessing marijuana. With all that said, though, I, if I'm going to be arrested for possessing a crack rock, I'd rather have Lieutenant Maxfield doing it than some hothead who's going to smash my head against the pavement. I mean, there is a difference between these people. and I'm not defending what Maxfield did. He was I, yeah, wrong. I completely... I my thing is this. I, I, I don't even want to, don't want to try to turn it into a race, but like other people were saying about, you know, how the guy got killed in San Francisco by the uh, that cop on, uh, a couple like a week ago. My thing is this: as a black man, I run that risk of getting shot regardless. I don't care. Like it doesn't. Like you never hear about black police officers running out shooting white kids that are unarmed and helpless. It's gonna be a black guy getting shot by a white cop, and so if it's a white cop, I'm screwed. Like to me, in my mind, it's automatically it's a wrap. Like not all white cops are like, racist. I'm, mind, I'm gonna get shot. I mean, look, and I've I, lived I've down in the south since here. I've I've lived in the south, and I know there are a lot of white racist cops out there, but they're not all racist. But it's not the south though. Even in Chicago, when Obama won the election, they were the police were literally doing drive-by pepper spraying. Like they were pepper spraying people. <laughs> I, I laughed at it too. Don't even feel bad if I laughed. I laughed by. I laughed. I, ooh, it was so funny to me. But I, they were doing that, like in Chicago. In yeah, I, hey, I, I completely, <laughs> I completely agree with you. I, I don't like what they are doing. I don't agree with it. I don't appreciate some of the things that they do. And at the same time, I talk to them, and I'm friends with some of them, and I say, look, I, I think you should do what you think is best because. That's what I am going out and doing, and we we just have differences of opinions, and what it comes down to is it's my job to educate and enlighten these people to the ideas of liberty so that one day they can see that, hey, there is a better way to do this, and they can choose something different. Right now, most cops are so stuck in their mentality of right and wrong, of good and bad, Mm -hmm. of there's the law, and and there's the process for changing the laws, and you got to use the system to change the system. Well, guess what? I think it's the process for changing the laws that is broken. How is it I'm supposed to fix that? If the system's broken, how can you change a broken law, basically? And um, 
My thing is this. The thing that really boiled down to me about Austin Lee was this. He had stated that he wanted to join a SWAT team. Now, you know how oh, we no. all feel about the SWAT team. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, I want to use something that, that Rob uses. The so toys and the yeah, and big you know, guns. Exactly, little mobocracy, you know. So right. I mean, I, I, I agree. Really, that, he's really trying to go hardcore about it. Like, right. <laughs> I totally get the the SWAT team uh, part of yeah, it. That's that really that bothers bad. me. But wait a second, isn't it superior to have a liberty oriented individual? Uh, I don't wait know. a second before you kick it in your door, shooting your dog. I am not done. I am not freaking done. All right, Mark's gonna throw a fit. Let him talk. So let's say the liberty oriented individual makes a stated promise to his. You know, in his heart or to his liberty friends, I'm not going to shoot anybody's dog. Okay? I mean, at what the about very. Me? What, what about mean? shooting me? I mean, I'm sorry. I know what you're saying, Mark, okay, and, I, and I see where you're coming from, but it, when you're getting to that point, then, you, and maybe we're just talking about a difference of degrees here, maybe I'm completely wrong on this, but uh, you, you've got a liberty-oriented cop doing SWAT team raids. I think you yeah, need I to draw like a it. line somewhere, and because because then you've got a liberty-oriented cop who's surrounded by a bunch of other adrenaline junkies. They're all kicking in the door, and inevitably his adrenaline's going to be high and running anyway. Somebody makes a move that's a little bit questionable. That's he story, pulls a gun Ian. and he pops somebody. That's Accidentally. That story you read about the... My thing, the is, my thing is, it's like being a liberty-oriented racist. Like, you can't do that. Like, you can't be liberty-oriented. I want freedom for all, just not this sector. Sincere like, thanks for the call tonight. We really appreciate it, as always, dude. That story that you read about the woman who had the infant in her arms and was shot by one of the SWAT team members. Yeah. What didn't get mentioned on the air is the reason he fired is because he heard gunshots. The gunshots he heard were from his buddies downstairs shooting the dog. Oh he thought gosh. that he thought that the lady was firing, returning fire at him, and that's why he shot her. So mistakes like that can happen. The SWAT teams are pretty much they're they're bad news. I I talked yeah. to the the Plano police SWAT team, and they were tormenting now, me. They what, took pleasure in it. What what is this? Uh, the next question is okay. So he decides not to go on the SWAT team. Will that stop the SWAT team? No, it's not going it to even, stop the SWAT okay, team, but it would wait, stop him from getting into a situation like that and really doing something terrible. I understand what you're saying, well, but one can make the same argument from the police department. The same argument that holds true for being on the police department or being in the military or being on the SWAT team. It's all the same the argument. It's a matter of degrees, I guess. It is a matter of yeah, degrees. It is a matter of degrees. I'd rather have a cop that promised not to shoot my dog. 802. Well, we're done. The show's <laughs> over. I wish we could continue this conversation. Inevitably, we will at another time. It's been Ian here with you. And same I am. And Mark. It's a tough issue. Market, uh, marketizing the police would solve this problem. And don't forget, we got Scott Horton uh, interview right after the show. Stay on the podcast stay on only. At free, podcast freetalklive.com. Only. Yep. All right, so uh, we're doing an extended edition of the program, a Free Talk Live AMP bonus episode here. Uh, oh yes, it's Mark. brought to you by the uh, CD Evolution Fund. And uh, while we're waiting for Scott to call in, I think we should talk about this a little bit since Sam's here. Sure. Uh, now, um, how are things going? Uh, we've the website's been up for a couple weeks now. Yeah, it's coming along. Um, I have been transitioning. We, we're we're getting things set up. We. Um, one of the things that happened with Andrew Carroll when he got arrested, we ordered pizza right there in the lobby of the police department, and everybody was chipping in. And uh, the guy who ordered the pizza didn't want that, so we ended up redirecting that into the CD Evolution Fund. We talked to Andrew about some different possibilities and things, and we're still discussing that with them as to how he wants to use that money. But it's coming along. We're, we're developing it. We're kind of uh, learning as we go. And uh, it's, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, what this fund's going to do down the road. 
it's uh, I, I think it's a great idea. And, and one of the things that really keep, keeps people from getting involved in civil disobedience is the that, cost, the, the, the risk, the financial impact that's going to mm-hmm. happen on their life. We can come back and talk more about this, but I yep. believe we do have Scott Horton with us on the line from antiwar.com. Is this you, Scott? I'm Scott. How's it going? Hey, Scott. You're on Free Talk Live. Welcome uh, to the program. Uh, Mark invited Thanks you on. Thanks very much for having me. Yes, sir. You do, uh, you're the host of Anti-War Radio. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And have you done an episode in a little while? I had plugged you in on uh, this little test stream that I've got going on that might might become not so much a test stream soon. It might be uh, launched uh, kind of full full time. But uh, you were on there, and I noticed you hadn't done a show in a while. Is it on hiatus for for the time being? Uh, well, uh, as soon as we get the uh, landline thing uh, worked out here, we should be going back. I uh, I've taken a little break because I had to move from Austin, Texas, out here to sunny Los Angeles. Okay, very good. I figured it was a holiday break or something like that, and you're actually moving. So look forward to having Anti-War Radio come back. I'm sure a number of our listeners are also listeners of yours, so they probably recognize your voice. Uh, people can listen well, to your show. I can't wait to start interviewing people again. It's just killing me, all the stuff that's been happening and not being able to interview all my favorite guests about it. So, people can go um, and listen I'm to... I'm looking forward to getting back into it. They can listen to your archives if they uh, they want over at Anti-War, excuse me, antiwar.com slash radio. Is that right? Right. Okay, great. So, Mark, you uh, invited Scott on the show. What do you want to talk to him about? Um, well, Scott, I uh, I've been getting bombarded with emails. I, I'm I'm not I'm not even kidding. <laughs> How many emails I've got in support of uh, the Palestinians against the Israelis? And you know, on air, we've we've uh, stated that essentially the United States shouldn't be giving any money to any foreign country for any purpose. It doesn't matter war, peace, or whatever. And you know, I um, after after that, once you say there shouldn't be any money, that's going to solve some huge problems in the, the the foreign arena. But I did say something like, well, if they were lobbing missiles into my country, I don't know how you would handle that otherwise than than invading. But I am saying that from a point of ignorance because I don't know that much about what's going on over there. So I'd like you to sort of clear some of it up. Who's um, you know who's bad here? Who's done what? And, you know, historically and, you know, what's what's going on, Scott? Well, first of all, I'd like to agree with you that it's none of America's business. I mean, that's the song I'm singing more than anything else. If we're talking about a war between, well, I was going to say Ethiopia and Somalia, uh, but that's a bad example because, of course, that's America's war, too. But anyway, pick a couple of countries that neither side is backed by America, and they have problems with each other. Ethiopia and you know, Eritrea. Civilians are dying, but as long as it's not my country's fault, um, then I'm not overly concerned, you know, beyond just the average kind of abstract, it's sad that something terrible happened to people yeah. or whatever. But this fight is being made into my fight. And in order to bring that home and make that perfectly clear, when the Israelis bombed the uh, Kwana refugee camp in Lebanon in 1996, I think it was. Okay. Mohammed Atta, the lead hijacker of September 11th, filled out his last will and testament and swore that he was going to holy war against the United States and Israel. And 3,000 people died because of it. Hmm. And in fact, uh, Osama bin Laden's original fatwa in 1996 came also on the heels of that Kwanah massacre. So hmm. uh, what we're talking about here is it has everything to do with us, because every time Israel kills people in the occupied territories, they do so with American money and with American weapons, and everyone in the whole world knows it. Yeah. And, in fact, there's a, a book called Perfect Soldiers, of, which is biographies of the 9-11 hijackers by a L.A. Times reporter named Terry McDermott. And he talks about when the, the pilots, you know, the, the, the inner core of the 
9-11 plotters. When they would sit around in their apartment in Hamburg, they would talk about, we need to go kill Americans because of what Israel did today. And I think to a lot of Americans, that just makes no sense to them. They don't understand why it should be that any Americans have to suffer for what Israel has done. Well, I can but totally it's our see that point. Of dollars that are being spent on right. this occupation and on this war. Right. And they don't. They don't understand. They know that they us. can't do anything about Israel until they do something about America, and they know they can't do anything about America um, through its politicians. They can only do something by getting to, th- through to the people. I, I get that part completely. Right. And and in fact, you know, it's it's about um, well, uh, the first part you said they can't do anything about Israel until they take care of us, and then so the strategy there is to basically use judo on us and yeah. to, to get us to strike out in such a way that we spend ourselves into bankruptcy. They're trying to replicate what they did to the Russians in Afghanistan in the 80s, and now they're doing it again to us. We've and, spent a um, lot on these uh, these last two wars. Working well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and in fact, um, I urge uh, you and all your listeners to go back and read Osama bin Laden's speech of October 2004, where he just bragged and boasted the whole time and said, you're, you're falling right in my trap, you're doing exactly what I want you to do, just keep voting Republican. You know, this, of course, came out, what, like a week or week and a half before the election of 2004, and was widely seen, including inside the CIA, as bin Laden's attempt to help George Bush get reelected. And it worked. In fact, you, if you look at the poll numbers, you'll see that, that Bush gained a good uh, five or seven points or something from bin Laden's speech. But if you actually read it, you would see that what he's saying is, ha-ha, you're doing everything I want you to do. And, in fact, there's even a part where he says, all I have to do is write al-Qaeda on a little piece of cloth and send two mujahideen to the furthest point east, and you'll send all your generals and all your billions of dollars racing yeah, and uh, just mocking them. So, anyway. Um, so, I, I see that point. Now, I guess more, you know, once, once we eliminate the, uh, you know, is, uh, intellectually eliminate the idea of the United States giving money to anyone, and this definitely not being our war, what are the sides here, and who's the good guy, and who's the bad guy? And is there, Neither. I mean, yeah, like, tell me about the good the goods good guys, and the bads of both sides. The good guys are the innocent civilians yeah. on both sides. No one with power in the Middle East is a good guy, whether that's Hamas or Fatah or the government of Israel or Lebanon or Jordan or Egypt or anybody else. Um, well, you know me, I'm a libertarian. I don't, I don't think states are legitimate at all. But So in this case, uh, neither side with power are the good guys uh, to start with. Well, so but I, I, it's I know that the t- case that one side is the powerless underdog and the other side is basically the regional hegemon superpower mm-hmm. who can get away with bloody murder and call it self-defense. So um, th- th- that's what's happening now is bloody murder and they're calling it self-defense. What, are the, right. um, what are the Palestinians doing to uh, sort of egg Israel on? I, I, I just don't understand this uh, scenario enough. I know they've been lobbing these essentially ineffective rockets into to Israel. Like maybe four or five people were killed. They decided they got sick of it, and they went in to the, the West Bank there, Gaza, whatever the heck it is, and uh, you know started just wholesale bombing the hell out of places, including, uh, I think they, they went after a, uh, uh, um, some, kind of, uh, fall, uh, some kind of shelter where they told people to go for safety and then bombed it. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about some really heinous stuff on the Israeli side, but do they have any legitimacy? I mean, what are the, the rights and the wrongs of both sides, I guess, is um, you know, where I'm coming from? Well, it's a real complicated mess. I, basically, uh, the people of Palestine have been under occupation 
for decades. And Gaza, have you ever seen Escape from New York? Yeah. Yes. The prison by the sea? And that's what Gaza is. Now, I've been there. It's just uh, a, a giant prison. Have you been to Gaza? I, I've either been to one, wherever Bethlehem is. Is that the West Bank? I think that's on the West Bank, yeah. Okay. I've, so I've um, been to both Israel and I've been to Palestine, and I can tell you which one I like better. Yeah. Well, and, and for pretty obvious reasons. But, you know, the West Bank and, and Gaza both are occupied territories. And, you know, um, I guess in 05, Ariel Sharon pulled the settlements out of Gaza. And everybody said, oh, look, how, you know, wonderful and magnanimous. But it was quite clearly simply a tactical move to make it easier to punish the people of Gaza. And they would no longer have Jewish human shields in the way. Mm. And as soon as they were done, as soon as they pulled the settlers out, or not not very long after that, uh, they uh, put the place under blockade, which is an act of war. Now, the, the... And, uh, you know, they had this ceasefire worked out. Well, Sam skipping. What happened was also Bush and Connolly's Rice and Ehud Olmer insisted that Hamas hold elections, uh, or that the Palestinians hold elections. And, right. and George Bush said the Israelis don't have to deal with terrorists like uh, Yasser Arafat and the Fatah movement. They don't have to deal with anybody unless those people are democratically elected. So they held a democratic election, and Hamas won. Yeah. And then they said, well, you don't have to deal with them, democratically elected or otherwise, because they're Hamas. And then they engineered uh, an attempted coup d'etat, which they was partially successful, and they reinstalled Fatah. Uh, Arafat, uh, you know, died in the meantime, and now they have this guy Mahmoud Abbas, but who is obviously simply a puppet of America and Israel, and now he runs the PLO. And of course, you know, it could never be insisted that the Israelis deal with the PLO because, after all, they're terrorists and they're secular communists and this, that, and the other thing. Well, now, oh well, the PLO aren't so bad after all because right. the alternative is Hamas. Hamas. So we have a divided Palestine, uh, you know, physically and also politically, where Gaza is in control, uh, uh, Hamas is in control of the Gaza Strip, and Fatah is, in the, is uh, controlling the West Bank. Um, but so then they had a ceasefire agreement worked out, the Israelis and Hamas, um, where they promised not to shoot each other for, I guess, a year or something like that. And Hamas held to it. And despite all the talking heads on TV who are either all liars or fools repeating lies, Israel, not Hamas, broke the ceasefire on November 4th, Election Day. Coincidentally enough, wink, wink, mm. they broke the ceasefire by bombing what they said were tunnels that were probably going to be used for some nefarious purpose. <laughs> uh, certainly not trying to you know, trade in medical goods or food or any criminal behavior like that. Mm. Of course, that's all black market stuff under blockade. Uh, certainly, you know, the only reason they would dig a tunnel would be to attack Israel. So Israel, which had kept Hamas and Gaza under a blockade throughout the entire ceasefire, which was itself a violation of the ceasefire, uh, then attacked the tunnel on November 4th, breaking the ceasefire once and for all, you know, for mm -hmm. everyone to see. And then when the Gazans started firing back with their homemade rockets, then the Israelis get to sit there and, for some reason, I guess, as long as everyone between Canada and Mexico has no long-term memory skills whatsoever, they get to sit there and pretend like Hamas started the fight. And uh, even though they've been laying siege to the place and starving people, and, uh, you know, in fact, I think a week before the invasion began, 
uh, one of the cabinet members and uh, cabinet ministers in Israel uh, proposed that perhaps they should let in some medical supplies, and he was threatened with impeachment Jeez. for suggesting that possibly they should allow some medical supplies into Gaza. Hey, hey, over Scott. The blockade. The, the, can you elaborate a little bit on what the Gaza Strip is and how it was created? I, from my understanding, it was some kind of a buffer zone to separate the two. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? You know, I am not certain on the history of how the Palestinians got penned into Gaza. Okay. I believe at one, at one point it was under the jurisdiction of Egypt, its southern border, uh, touches against Egypt. Uh-huh. And um, the Palestinians, of course, are a political football. The, the oh, yeah. American puppet dictatorship in Egypt and the American puppet dictatorship in Jordan and the American puppet dictatorship in Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Oman and Kuwait and all those American puppet dictatorship, Islamo-fascist countries, if you like, uh, they don't care about the Palestinians whatsoever. And so um, they like to, you know, say boo-hoo for the Palestinians when it's good for their own internal politics. But they certainly have done, well, at least very little to do anything about it. I guess I should amend that a bit by saying that the Saudis have come forward with a plan that the entire Arab League agrees on, and which makes perfect sense, which says that the Israelis should get the settlers out of the West Bank, allow the Palestinians to have a separate state in Gaza and the West Bank, under the 1967 borders. And I can only tell from the outside, you know, I don't really know for sure, but it it seems pretty clear to me that the Israelis have come up with a strategy that says that they should marginalize all the moderates as best they can. They should empower the extremists and the people who are the hardest to deal with as much as they can. Then that way they'll have less pressure to deny when people try to get them to deal. Now, and, um, didn't didn't Israel essentially give the Palestinians their own state in the West Bank and Gaza? I mean, isn't that what has happened there? No, they took everything but that, and no, they do not have a state at all. And but they have Israelis democratically elected people, taxes. right? They've got the they've got the West Bank cut into little pieces. There's settlements all over the West Bank, and every road that leads to every settlement has giant concrete walls on either side, yeah. uh, keeping people from their property. Uh, they destroy orchards and, and, you know, religious sites. And the settlers in the West Bank are the most right-wing lunatic crazies who, you know, go around like mobs, beating people, spray-painting stars of David all over uh, Muslim cemeteries and acting like complete brutes mm. under the cover and protection of a, the American taxpayer-funded Israeli Defense Forces. And, you know, I, I'm a libertarian, so it's not that I, I side with you know, one group of people over another in any of these cases, I side with the property rights of individuals over I agree with any that. collective entity that is violating them. So let's, and, you know, if I come and take half of your land, and then I give a little bit more land to your second cousin twice removed and tell you that, oh, see there, you got paid back, uh, that's not going to be good enough for you, and I don't know why it should be good enough for any of the Israelis who, now, I, you know, but, are separated from orchards that, you know, that have been in their families for generations. You mean Palestinians? Uh, yeah, what I said. Okay, you said Israelis. Um, now, that's that's oh, something sorry, I want to yeah, get yeah, to here, is I don't know everything about this situation. My understanding, essentially, Israel came into being in 1948, and that its borders were somewhat expanded in the, some war in the 60s, uh, the Seven-Day War or whatever in the 60s, where you know they just kicked everybody's butt right quick. 
Um, and that's kind of the way I saw it. Now, you know, uh, to me, I, I believe that everybody should get their property back, and I'm, I'm for that. I just think that there, there's a point in history where that becomes very difficult. The people, uh, the, the, the Cubans that were kicked out of uh, uh, Cuba, they're not getting their property back. No way are they getting um, getting property back that's 40 years gone. These Palestinians, sure, sure, if they've is, been surrep- se- separated for 60 years, probably aren't going to get it either. And the Saudi plan is, look, let Israel, this is all the Arabs agree, all the Arab states anyway, agree about this. Let the Israelis keep everything inside the pre-67 borders. Okay. Just give up the West Bank and Gaza. Okay. So to say that because a settler takes somebody's land in the West Bank, that that's just irreversible... Well, no, it's not. How about, for example, just stop giving them pieces of my paycheck in order to build them? And let's see if they can build their own uh, settlements on other people's property on their own dime instead of mine and yours. Because these settlements are very fortified? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, you know, forts inside engine country here. Yeah, basically. I I, I totally see that. It would be uh, if if there if my neighbors were very very uh, you know violently unhappy with me being there, my property would have to be uh, markedly different than it is uh, currently today. So that makes that makes a per- certain amount of sense. So the there's a well, united. Sir, if you had killed their old next door neighbor and taken his house. Right. Then they might really have reason to fear you and have a grudge against so i'm trying to come up with um I, I know what the libertarian answer is the libertarian answer is the united states shouldn't be giving money to either israel palestine any other country anywhere i don't care if it's uh canada or zambia um but beyond that like there's you know it's sort, it's sort of waving the flag of justice is what i would like to do i used to be a republican like so many libertarians out there and i like israel i've been to israel i you know the, the, there's many people that i met there that i really like so it's difficult for me to look at it from the other and when i went to palestine i felt uh endangered and i didn't like it at all i, I you know it, it's it was a very it was a bad experience versus a very good experience in israel so that's difficult um, for me to, in my mind to line up, and I just want to be able to wave the fa- flag of justice here. And would you say that that is then, um, you know, the, the United Arab League has uh, come up with some guidelines and uh, basically giving the Gaza Strip and the West Bank to the Palestinians to rule on their own without being hemmed in. Now, the Gaza, the, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip are both landlocked areas. Is that not so? Uh, well, I believe the uh, I believe the eastern border of of the West Bank touches the Jordan River. It's the West Bank of the Jordan River is what that means. Okay. So yeah, pretty much landlocked. Now Gaza is on the Mediterranean. Okay. Oh, Gaza is a very little strip, but the west uh, the West Bank is a uh, a much bigger piece. Is that right? Right. Right. Okay. Uh, well, and now, you know, as far as justice and all that, I I got to tell you, you know. First of all, I'm completely with you. The libertarian solution is as long as America is not an empire and making this my business, then let people work it out on their own, you know, just like you said, whether it's Canada or Zambia or anybody else. Uh, just in the, you know, waving the flag of justice sense, what I think personally would be the best solution is not for the Palestinians to insist on a second state, a separate state, because the Israelis, frankly, are never going to do it. Okay. I mean, you know, they say, oh, if only everybody just acted like Fatah, you'd have a, sa- a separate state right now. Oh, really? Well, is that why they surrounded Yasser Arafat with tanks and kept him prisoner in his own headquarters until he finally died? Uh, you know, because they were so willing to work with Fatah? Uh, it's a lie. They're not willing 
come hell or high water to allow there to be a Palestinian, a separate Palestinian state. So what I would why not? Wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? Why not? Uh, well, I think there are a lot of reasons. First of all, uh, the religious right in Israel believes that the Bible says that all that land belongs to them, and anybody who stands in their way ought to be dead. Well, that Bible's really uh, a confusing there's document. There's also military purposes, such as the West Bank, uh, West Bank Hill is, uh, you know, topographically, that's actually where I believe the 67 war began, was launched from, or whatever. Now, I, I personally have talked with uh, Daniel Levy, who's a former cabinet minister and, and peace negotiator over there in Israel, and he says that the, the military strategy of, oh, we have to have the high ground of the West Bank is just silly, that that all the bazillions of dollars of American munitions make advantages like a hilltop completely moot in a situation like this, which I tend to think is correct. Right. Hills, hills aren't as valuable as they Israeli used to be. Government see it that way. Yeah, it's, hills aren't as valuable as they used to be strategically uh, in a military sense. Right. I can totally see that. So now, do you have some kind of revolutionary solution here that's never going to get implemented well, because you're a libertarian and nobody listens to you? I don't know how revolutionary it is, but what I think that the Palestinians should do is they should insist on becoming Israeli citizens. They should insist that the West Bank and Gaza are part of Israel, that they are Israeli citizens, and they want the full rights of Israeli citizens. And that way they can call out to the whole world the absolute intolerable apartheid situation that exists in that country. Now, because there are... there's another thing that the Israelis will never let happen, come hell or high water, give these people citizenship and respect their rights as Israeli citizens. But one of them makes them much more obvious hypocrites, wouldn't you say? Um, I think I think that that I, it makes sense. I mean, I I think either way that uh, both of those sound like they should be able to run their own uh, countries if if they want to run their own countries, and they should be able to go into, you know, every other country should let them in. But the only one that I can really say anything about is the United States. I think that we would benefit greatly from, uh, you know, I, I've met some Palestinians over here that work very hard, and I'd love to have them over here working very hard. Um, of course, yeah. So I mean, that's first off where we're making our biggest mistake. I I don't know how easy it is for them to get out of uh, these areas. I mean, they look like very uh, – the West Bank and Gaza Strip look like very large areas. They must have some kind of airport, right? Um, no, they're prisons. They are under blockade. They cannot get in or out. They cannot trade in or out. They live in a giant concentration camp. Really? I, I've seen news reports where the farmers sometimes will – just to go work at their job, it's in, across this fence, and they have to go through a checkpoint. And sometimes the guards just don't bother coming back to the gate to let them back through so that they can go home for the night, and they end up sleeping in a field. Yeah, well, I, I, that's probably you know a bedtime story compared to the way things are in Gaza now. But, yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's purely criminal. And, by the way, something that you mentioned at the beginning about, well, how would I react if, Somebody in the next town over was shooting a bunch of rockets into my town and that kind of thing. And I think you, probably everyone has heard people, uh, this is, I don't know, I guess the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee wrote this talking point and sent it out in mass because it's just everywhere. People say, oh, well, what if uh, people in Mexico were shooting missiles across the border into California? Yeah. And, and in fact, I read one quote of a reporter who said that he was told that exact thing by three or four different people in three or four widely removed job descriptions in one day and was just floored by how effective the Israelis are getting these talking points out. But, you know, Justin Ramondo, our head writer at antiwar.com, 
said, well, let's put this, let's actually, as long as we're using the Mexico analogy, let's get this right. What if the Mexican army invaded Southern California, herded all the people of San Diego and Los Angeles into Death Valley, built a giant fence around them, bombed them whenever they felt like it? Then what would the Americans do? Would we not shoot rockets into our former towns? Now you see the real analogy, America and Mexico and rockets. This is what we're talking about, Mexico conquering us, forcing us onto worthless land, and then treating us like animals in a cage. Would we or would we not shoot back? And then would we or would we not be confused as to who was the aggressor and who was defending themselves? Hmm. It's powerful stuff. Now, um, let's talk about the, the bads and wrongs of uh, the Palestinians. Uh, where, where are they? Are they, uh, you know, are they rife? Are they th- these terrorists that we've heard about? Uh, uh, what, what are they doing? Well, uh, you know, I don't know how long it's been since there was a Hamas-sponsored suicide bombing, but probably not too long. I mean, Hamas, I don't know everything about, you know, their leadership and all mm-hmm. their names and those kinds of things, but they were created by Israel and the United States. Uh, with the cooperation of the United States, to be a conservative religious alternative to the secular communist PLO. Uh, well, now we sing our blowback song yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and and realize, like, ooh, maybe that wasn't the best idea. But, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, Hamas is run by a bunch of, well, politicians, would-be rulers of a state, which by definition makes them murderers and and horrible people. And, and the proof's in the pudding. I mean, they'll send a 15-year-old to go blow up a pizza parlor full of 15-year-olds. I mean, that's terrorism. <laughs> There's nothing else you can call it. Yeah. The question is, the question is not, well, you know, gee, I guess Hamas aren't nice guys, so what do we do now or whatever. Uh, the, the question is, why would anybody in Gaza support them? The question is, why would anyone allow their 15-year-old boy to go and become a they suicide sound desperate. bomber? It's, it's because they're under occupation. Now, um, it's because well, they're absolutely it's... driven to desperate. I mean, think how bad your life would have to be, because we're talking about human beings here, you know what I mean? The language barrier is just a language barrier. These are people who look just like your next-door neighbor here. What would it take for you to strap on a bomb and and be willing to end your life just as long as you could take a few of them with you. It would take uh, removing... That's not the kind of circumstance that is creating someone's mind strictly by, you know, religious brainwashing and the promise of 72 virgins in heaven. This is about real human political grievances on earth. Hey, Occupation, hey. degradation, and humiliation. And it takes removing and all... Blowback. It, it takes removing all the other forms of redress. I mean, you talked earlier in the call about... How the they they've gone through the process and and Hamas was elected and then they you know discounted them so every avenue that they try to address the situation just gets knocked out and when you take away all of people's options what else do they have left? Yep, that's that's just about exactly it. And in fact, now, as long as we're on the subject, I'll go ahead and I gotta mention the name of the book. It's Dying to Win by Robert A. Pape. P A P E. Dying to Win. The Strategic Logic of Suicide Terrorism. And he tracked every single suicide terrorist on Earth from 1980 through, I guess, last year, because he's kept it updated. He's kept the database updated. Virtually all of them, with the, the exceptions are few enough that they only prove the rule. Suicide terrorism is a direct result of occupation by a foreign country's military, period. And, and 
The great example is Sri Lanka, where neither side is Muslim. It's secular, Marxist, I think nominal Hindus versus Buddhists. And I, I actually, I forget, maybe it's the nominally uh, secular communists, nominally Buddhists versus the Hindus. One way or the other, none of them believe in Muhammad, and it's the, the leading area of suicide bombing on earth is in Sri Lanka. Then you take a, a country like Sudan, where everybody is a Sunni Muslim, and in fact quite radical Sunni Muslims in many places. And there are deaths on the order of hundreds of thousands of people dying. And no suicide bombing, none, zilch, zero, nada. Why? Because they're not under occupation by a foreign power. They're, they're being killed, but they're not dying with their last thought in their head, the fear that their children are going to be converted to some other religion, that they're going to have their language taken from them, that they're going to have their entire society changed. Those are the things that lead people to such desperation that they are willing to countenance uh, voluntary. I mean, let's face it, there's no conscription in suicide terrorism. These are all walk-in yeah. volunteers, yep. and it takes community support to even allow there to be an office for people to go and volunteer at. It takes widespread support in a community, and only foreign occupation can create such circumstances. And Robert A. Pape proved it with math. Oh, I, I, it does. It sounds like a very motivating case. Now, you had mentioned that uh, the idea of um, these uh, making the Palestinians uh, citizens of Israel. Now, there's currently Muslim citizens of Israel. Not everybody who's an, uh, a citizen of Israel is, in fact, uh, Jewish. And they're right. supposedly sort of a second class. They don't have quite the rights. Uh, they don't. They don't uh, get to serve in the military, from what I understand. So, what would change there? Um, well, there would simply be a lot more of them. Uh, honestly, in terms of the second-class citizenship, I do not know readily uh, what are the differences in, in protected rights among Israeli Arabs versus Israeli Jews. Uh, I believe there are differences, but I don't know exactly what they are. Um, I do know that what ended apartheid in South Africa was the total moral revulsion of the rest of the world. And it ended up turning into economic, uh, you know, sanctions and blockades and boycotts, or not blockades, but boycotts. Mm -hmm. and, and basically it just became clear to the leadership in South Africa that we cannot continue on this way. So, uh, you know, honestly, I don't think in a million years that the Israelis would allow uh, such an idea as a one-state solution to proceed. Um, but I think it's probably the best shot that the Arabs there have, because they're never going to let there's, the Israeli uh, government is never going to let there be a two-state solution, and they will always use the excuse that oh we can't have two states it's controlled by Fatah or we can't have two states it's controlled by Hamas or we can't have two states because of whatever reason I just made up. Right. But if they insist that no we're Israeli citizens and we demand representation in the Knesset. And, and we want American paid for free school and health care just like every other welfare beneficiary in Israel, et cetera, et cetera. That would be much harder public relations-wise, I think, uh, for the Israelis to deny. I mean, what else do you call apartheid but apartheid? Right now, they can pretend it's not apartheid because, well, it's an occupied territory. It's escaped from New York, prison by the sea, and it's separate, kind of, from their society. But if the people of Palestine insisted otherwise, I think... At least that would make the the real conflict, um, you know, much more apparent. Well, 
Thanks for uh, breaking it on down for us, Scott. Because I, yeah, I, I've, I've learned a lot that I didn't know, and apparently my uh, my opinions are here yet one, once again tainted by my Republican roots. And uh, I, I have a better picture of what um, things are like over there. Appreciate you uh, well, coming let me, on. Let me go ahead and add one thing. I, yeah. I wanted to say this because I probably sure. just come across like I'm breathing fire all day here. Um, but uh, you know, I'm not against the state of Israel as, any more than I'm against any state. Uh, if people want to get together and create a mutual defense pact or whatever, they can do that, and it's really none of my business. Uh, and, and that, again, is really my main point. It's not that I'm anti-Israel. I'm simply pro-humanity and pro-individual rights, and it happens to be that, you know, at this time in the news cycle, it's the Israeli government that is doing the most blatant right-violating, well, other than my own interact, for example. Yeah. Uh, but so that's, that's why I... Uh, I take the position that I take. It it is uh, not, you know, due to some kind of ingrained animosity toward Israel whatsoever. I'm perfectly fine with Israel existing for the next 10,000 years, for all I care. Just stop killing women and children. What are they doing? They're killing women and children. Mm. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott, for the Thank time you. tonight. Really appreciate it. People can go to antiwar.com slash radio to hear more of you and your show, which uh, should resume, what, sometime this month? Uh, yeah, this week, I promise. Okay, great. I'll get you back up on the stream. And I thank you, Scott, and I hope you have a good night. Thank you both very much. I appreciate it. That's All Scott right. Horton from antiwar.com. Okay, so the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund, yeah, uh, any final comments on that before we wrap this little bonus up? Well, this uh, this segment is brought to you by the cdevolution.com. Uh, cdevolution.org, dot org, Excuse I me, dot org. Um, and <laughs> you can go there and donate uh, to people that are trying to use civil disobedience to solve our problems here in the United States uh, against organizations that, uh, you know, operate through violence and coercion. They need your help. That seems to be the biggest, you know, complaint or uh, reason why people don't participate in uh, civil disobedience is because, well, they're scared of what's going to happen financially to their family and themselves, their apartment, their cat, their dog. Not not only is it hard to do, but it really takes the right individual who... um has the right mindset going into it, and also has the right uh, lifestyle to where they can go in and actually do some of these different acts. Yeah, because uh, Andrew Carroll, uh, who was on the air with us uh, earlier this this week, you know, he's 18 years old. He mm-hmm. moved out here for the Free State Project. I I think at this point he is between jobs, and you know, it's not nearly as much going on in his life that he has responsibilities for as say in mine. I've got a wife. I've got a kid. I've got a um, you know, pay, payments that are have to be made and that kind of thing. And if I don't, bad stuff happens. So if you've got the responsibilities, but you still want to help out, the CD Evolution Fund, the cdevolution.org, will allow you to financially get behind people like Andrew Carroll and get behind people like Russell Canning and, and Lauren Canario and these other uh, wonderful civil disobedience activists. Now, how is the money doled out? This is the first thing that people are going to be asking themselves. Okay, it's uh, you're, you're playing on my uh, sympathies for civil disobedience, but mm-hmm. you know how are you, how are you doling out the money? And Sam, I guess you, you know you and uh, do I have anything to do with doling yes. the money? I mean, I I don't know. We're we're working on this. I'm trying to make things as fair as I can. Yeah, we we have a board of directors. That's you, myself, uh, Brian Travis, yeah. who is our treasurer. As well as our guy overseas, who has founded the uh, the the fund, shall uh, remain nameless. Shall <laughs> remain nameless. 
And uh, we, what we will do is get together. The main thing, though, is I really want to sit down, talk with the activists, find out what they need, what they think is best for them. And, you know, how do you want us to support you? What kind of things can we do? And based on what they say, we'll get together. We'll uh, decide, OK, what can the fund do? What kind of resources do we have available? And then we'll take some action. And the idea is to give the donator a certain level of uh, of interactivity too, whether or not they want to donate to just uh, civil disobedience in New Hampshire, whether they want to donate elsewhere, whether yes. they want to donate, uh, you know, what sort of what it is that they're looking for. I don't for. think it's expanded quite to that point yet. But that's the is idea. It? Okay. We're getting there. Um, down the road, you will be able to, to really direct and, and sort of uh, – push the, your donations off into a certain direction, a certain category, or even towards a certain person. So uh, certainly that's something that we've looked at. And then there's also things um, with Andrew. He was he was just planning on uh, holding out the cannabis, and we talked to him about, uh, hey, you know, maybe you should give a speech and tell people what it means. So there, there's other ways that I think the, the fund can support activists by helping them uh, pull off a more successful, a more effective uh, civil disobedience event, whatever it is they're doing, that reaches out to more people and connects with more of the folks that are in the mainstream. And I think that's where... Uh, really, efforts need to be uh, focused. I think it's a it's a it's an organization that's got a lot of potential, and it's only just begun. It's in its first month. I mean, it barely even exists yet. So, uh, it's out there. The website is up, and you can contribute now at cityevolution.org. All right, guys, do we need to cover anything else tonight? Um, that's that's pretty much it. Okay, cityevolution.org. Uh, it has been Free Talk Live Extended Amplifier uh, Edition, also brought to you by the AMP Program. It's only um, ampl- for amplifiers? No, no, it's, it's brought to you by the AMP Program. Okay. This is going out to everybody. That is what you want, right? Yeah, I want everybody okay. to get it. Yeah, yeah we, always, we always send these extras extras out to everybody listening so but it is brought to you by the amp program and you can get more information uh over at amp.freetalklive.com on that we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com good night dvd books music instruments periodicals computers software electronic photo cell phone office product home and garden bed and bath furniture kitchen pet supply automotive hardware apparel shoes jewelry grocery healthcare, sports and outdoors toys games used and more it's a department store at your fingertips amazon.freetalklive.com get all your shopping done a great deal delivery to your door and a percentage of your purchase will go to free talk live when you enter amazon through amazon.freetalklive.com